Now, PW Torch and Spreaker bring you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast. It's time for the weekly flagship, talking current events in pro wrestling. Jason, do you have a pretty good idea or a few ideas or no idea what Rock is going to end up doing at WrestleMania this year? No idea. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I could speculate like everybody else that maybe we get the tag match on night one. Maybe we get Cody and Rock on night one. Maybe it turns into a TV match and they try to set records that way. But no, no I, I really, I mean, I'm, I'm just guessing like everybody else on this one. Like every couple of days, I'm like, I cover pro wrestling for a living. Is it possible everybody knows because it's out there somewhere and it just hasn't landed on my radar? Like what the plan is, like it's leaked or it's obvious if I just saw things this way. And, and the only reason, I, even though I know better than that, it doesn't seem like that shouldn't be something we should have been able to figure out by now. You know what I mean? Like in watching what's happening, once they call the audible and move things in a different direction, it seems like there should be sort of this end point where like, well, that's probably where they're headed. And you sort of have to conjure up alternatives just to keep things interesting. But at this point, there isn't that sort of set scenario that I have. And I don't think it's out there either. Other than, like you said, you know, all this. Oh, Rock will be a special area. Oh, it'll be a triple threat. Oh, there'll be a tag match the night before. Oh, it'll be Cody Rock the night before. Um, it's interesting that, I mean, I, quite, I'm hesitating here. I'm quite confident that WWE has um, and The Rock have it figured out. And th that when we look back, this story will make sense because it's compelling. But it'd be weird to think <clears throat> that uh, that Rock is not going to wrestle at WrestleMania. Um, if he does, though, what is the scenario that seems most likely? Is it just Rock and Reigns against Seth and Cody on night one? And was last night's Raw a way to set that up because... Obviously, a lot of people would say, wait, if Cody values finishing a story, if Seth values a World Heavyweight title, they shouldn't be wrestling the night before they defend the title. Or that they, right. they, Seth defends and Cody chases it. That would be, that's a, not good. You should value, you know, it's, it's like resting your best player in the NBA on a back-to-back -back, uh, when you're facing, you know, a, a, tough, a tough team on the second night. Um, it's like, you can justify, you don't. You, know, you can justify limiting the minutes or sitting a star player against a really bad team to save them to be fresh the next night if you're playing you know, your, your, your division foe who, who you're battling for first place. Um, I can't believe when I say this stuff, the Timberwolves is in my head. Like, they're actually in my <laughs> position. It's crazy. Um, <clears throat> and so maybe last night's promos kind of set us up psychologically to understand Seth's mentality at, that he is willing and Cody would be willing to wrestle the night before, even if it's playing into the hands of the bloodline, that it could undercut their chance of winning on night two um is is that what we saw possibly what we saw last night and does that maybe point more towards a tag match what do you think i think so yeah because he said the line like three times and i don't remember specifically but it was essentially some risk we're taking and I, I guess that explains it away my biggest hope is that they know where they're going it's set in stone and this isn't rock him in and hawing and well you know yesterday I, yeah we had that plan <laughs> I but i don't know i i think this might be better i hope that's not happening and i do i i just if you're looking for maybe you know maybe there's not really signs there maybe they do have everything set in stone but this the storytelling has been awkward yes um they 
And some of it may be they let the uh, the duo of CM Punk and Big E just kind of do their thing at the initial, uh, they called it a press conference, whatever it was, the kickoff event, uh, because they're planting things in our head that we really haven't seen transpire. Um, with talking about Rock being on the board, that hasn't come up. Um, and then the little power play with Levesque, uh, you know, they did the backstage thing. Levesque comes out and asserts his dominance. And so far that's been it there. Yeah. There's just, there's some signs that do make me wonder, like, is this changing? And they just can't really figure out where they're going. And, and and again, I hope that's not it because that's always a a negative. Um, but uh, yeah, I think we'll get a lot of answers on Friday with SmackDown. At least I hope. Well, we'll get answers to where they're going. I don't know if we'll, I mean, we might get answers if to what we'll get. We'll maybe have a better idea of if what you just described has been happening. Yeah, because if what happens Friday doesn't fit with what happened at the kickoff show or the subsequent TV shows or even social media conversation or whatever, you know, it could be that they are adjusting as they go. So if we go back to the kickoff show, I've asked around and I don't have an answer on this. If and, and maybe you've heard or read or seen some some credible reporting on this that I missed. I I still don't know if Rock went in to that segment knowing for sure how that segment was going to end, or if crowd response it was sort of like a, a choose your ending to a movie or choose your ending to a book, um, where you can you know go on a different path. I think there's a different what is that called? Not choose your ending. Maybe it's choose your uh, choose your choose your own story or something, something like that. that. Yeah. So yeah. like, it, did he like? Did they get to the backstage and go, okay, this Cody Crybaby thing on McAfee catches on and the fans are cheering me? We're gonna go this direction and, and we're gonna you know do this. But if it if the fans are booing and all that, then we'll go this direction because I I wouldn't you know I I I could imagine Rock not knowing either way and really WWE not knowing and hedging a little bit, going okay, we'll do this if we have to, and then they ended up having to. So we'll bring up the family. Rock will align with Roman and all that, but it it hasn't been. I mean, I find all this really compelling. So you know, like the whole build up and all that. But when you but it's when you deconstruct it and you try to figure things out, it, there does seem to be hedging inconsistency. Um, I don't want to say a lack of attention to detail, but signs of them maybe putting laying down clues that won't pay off because they're kind of, they are there's a level of making it up as they go along or adjusting as they go, and. I know there's, you know, discussion about, well, you know, fans really like Rock when he's a heel and they cheer him. So th- does that change things? Um, so I'll, I'll broaden this out um, to, to, and throw it to you. How much do you think crowd responses all along, um, anytime Rock has appeared and to, in, in response to when Cody brings up Rock and Heyman and Roman do and, and all these situations, how much do you think w- – how much of what the crowd is doing makes sense to you, and are they resp- do you think they're responding in that way? Like, do you buy into the idea, well, maybe um, the fans just and, – and this is kind of my theory – is the fans were against Rock when they thought Rock was taking something from Cody. But once he gave it back, now they just want to enjoy Rock, whether he's a face or a heel, being the Rock. Because now that, that negative is gone – and is that now affecting how WWE looks at how they want to tell this story? Because they realize people don't dislike Rock. They just disliked Rock taking Cody's spot. Once that element was gone, it took away Rock being an effective heel. And and so we can't have Rock versus Levesque as some sort of, you know, corporate feud. We need Rock supporting Levesque because Rock's going to go babyface sooner. Like, all that's going through my head. What do you think? 
Uh, very possible, yes. Um, again, if Rock is him and hawing, I, I could certainly see him especially reacting to that and going, well, maybe I shouldn't be a heel. It was interesting to me that he came out in like 98 rock mode or whatever you want to say for that promo. And I liked it in the moment. And then later that night I got to thinking about it. It's like, okay, that was fun. I don't want to see this every week. I don't want to see some tongue-in-cheek throwback thing. Be a heel. If, if that's a direction, it does it does make me wonder if this is like the setup where it's a he's a double agent essentially and he's working against Roman. Not that I buy all the little things people point to when um, holding up the L sign when he's hold, supposed to be holding up the one. Maybe there's that level of intricacy going on, but I doubt it. Uh, but I do wonder if that's kind of being at play because I, I think again we're going to get a better feel for it on Friday. Because, yeah, you know, talking smack to the fans, it's, it, it's kind of heelish. But when it's done by The Rock, it's kind of like being insulted by Don Rickles or something where you just kind of laugh it off. Yeah, and, kind of MJF-like. Good, yeah, like a good insult comic. And I don't I mean, I think they need heat if he really is going to be a heel. And I want to see the 2024 heel rock, not rock again, playing 98 rock. It, it was cute, but I, yeah, I just don't need that from now until whenever his run is over, that he's just kind of doing this whole throwback thing. I, I think it's a lot more intriguing to me that here this guy is, this world-famous movie star, and the success has gone to his head, and he's being a modern version of himself. But I don't know if we'll get that. What do you think is is the best path um, for for the Rock? I, I'm I'm kind of pausing just to think of of um, various options if I want to present them. But like what based on what we've seen, everything you just said, crowd responses, Rock skill set, where Rock is, where Roman is, where Cody is, heck, where Seth is, um, where Paul Heyman, the larger bloodline is, is is. Is there a, a is there a recommendation that you would make or a hope maybe that you have um, for how this will land when it comes to especially The Rock? Because Rock is this added factor that we always had in the back of our mind might be introduced, and we hoped it would be introduced to the Bloodline storyline, but the timing couldn't have been worse because everyone was so ready for Cody, and then you have the X factor, the crowd response. So based on where we are now, not knowing what they're going to do Friday, but figuring trying to figure what the crowd response might be, and what the best way is, not only to tell the story at WrestleMania, but beyond that, if Rock is willing to do uh, more matches, what's what do you think is a good is the the ideal path that you can think of for them to go on, especially with the Rock, or in particular with the Rock? Yeah, so pick a direction, babyface or heel, and if it's going to be heel, put some real heat on these guys, not the cutesy fun time stuff. It really stood out to me last night when Seth Rollins was uh, during his promo talking about how you know what a threat they are i'm sorry but they don't feel like a threat right now rock joining them helps but jimmy uso is some smiling rocky johnson carney who feels super mid card solo sokoa i don't think he's won a match since he beat john cena which is just idiotic I, I can't even believe that and roman's hardly there this does not feel like like the bloodline at its peak by any means they need to reassert domination. I, I think there needs to be a massive beatdown angle, something that feels real, and, and really go for it. 
on the flip side, if this is, well, Roxy a temporary heel and it's all a plot against Roman, I don't know what you do. I don't like that. Uh, that to me is uh, just kind of flat, that we're going to just keep getting 98 Rock. It's all been a joke and it was all at Roman's expense. And uh, yeah, right. I mean, it can get you there. You know, to wrestle, it can get you through WrestleMania, but it's just not that compelling to me. So, so you've, there's a possibility of, of Rock turns on Roman quickly, faces him on night one, and then Rock... Well, I don't even know if it would happen before Mania. I'd be surprised. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I think about this all the time, and I just, I still can't get to anything where I feel like it makes... Where the, I shouldn't say where it makes sense, because I think there's a lot of things that can make sense, but where everything we've seen falls into place in in a way that feels like the ideal execution of the things in motion and the use of the talent that you have in this moment in time. So, I mean, you're going to have use of Cody, f- like, forever. You know, it, I mean, for a long time. <clears throat> Rock is more limited. Reigns is, in a way, more limited with part-time schedule and stuff. So, we're not talking about like somebody at the beginning of their trajectory and it's like well if we don't get to it this year we can revisit in two years like that so you're thinking how do you get the most out of where rock is right now as a novelty who's who's engaged and and he's he's got you know a a stake in in tko in a way that he hadn't before and he's fresh and fans are forging forming their opinion on him and he's sort of forging a path and how to interact with the fans the situation right now is 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 not going to be replicated in in five months or ten months or uh, or a year and a half from now. So how do you maximize all that? And to me, the number one goal is still don't mess up a good thing with Cody. Right. That that to me is more important. But I can't but I don't think the top executives at TKO or Dwayne The Rock Johnson feel that. I think they think that Rock is special and you know they'll look at social media numbers or you know whatever they look at their their things that the people who are filling arenas and paying money to go to a random run smackdown these days that's your audience and those are the ones that you have to please and those are the ones who can't be left thinking well WrestleMania is fun but I'm going to move on to other things which is what the rock audience is the fleeting oh I'm going to pay a visit to WWE again and there'll be a big boost in although rock hasn't made a big difference in viewership um on smackdown he's made a difference but it's not game changing it's not like they're at 3.2 million when he shows up um it's not like punk made such a difference to aw the first appearance he made um but nevertheless you want to make sure that the fans who are buying tickets and going crazy for cody right now are happy in may and happy in july so that so that's my case for why cody should be the focus even though i think you know there's again some people in tko and rock in particular like i'm special this is different i'm going to take things to a new level and i'm sure he i'm sure i'm sure mock rock's internal um, dialogue is a lot of cliches and platitudes about himself. Um, I mean, how could it not be when you're at the when you reach the level that he's at and kind of talk yourself into that? But you can get in the way of something that is going really well, and that's that's why the fans rebelled the way that they did. And I still think that needs to be the number one priority. That's why what you don't want, for instance, is like, oh, Rock's a special referee, but whose side is he on? And then it turns out he's on Cody's side, and he helps yeah. Cody win. Like, no, that's. Fans won't even have an outlet to boo rock after that, but they will. They will push. I'm try, I'm, they will rebel against that live. They don't. I mean, they'll, they'll 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 have these mixed feelings like, oh, Cody won, but Rock helped him win. We just wanted Cody to beat Roman. Now, if all Rock does is stop Solo and Jimmy and Heyman from interfering, 
And then the match goes on a few more minutes and Cody wins clean. Then they solve that. What you don't want, though, is Rock being the guy who distracts Roman or counterpunches Roman. And Cody hits a crossroads, but only because Rock did something to Roman. Because then fans will go, well, not only is Rock going to take credit for helping Cody, he's trying to glom on to him. You know, the old way Dusty would yeah, get criticized. Yeah, he pat him on the head after that match. Exactly. You know, like with Dusty fans would, oh, the, the new hot act. You know, Cody's going to, or Dusty's going to paint his face like the Road Warriors. Or he's going to, mm-hmm. you know, like that kind of thing. Like, I know people think, you know, Dusty's so revered, but he wasn't in the 80s by fans who, list, who you know, would have been the type to listen to this show. Dusty right. was a villain. And... um and seen as an egomaniac and all that. And it's great they rewrote his image, and a lot of that is true in terms of how he, how he grew and matured once he was out of power and all of that. But um, we'll get to that era if we talk about Oli later. Um, but with, with the crowd response for Rock, fans will look at that and go, not only is Rock trying to glom onto Cody, and Hogan will do that too, you know, all the time too. Um, they'll see him through that lens. But also then they will think in a meta sense Roman it was done I shouldn't say in like in a booking sense it was done to protect Roman from losing clean so he has something to complain about kind of like Drew has been doing um and I think fans want a clean win for Cody a decisive I beat Roman not something where Roman can go well if the circumstances were different you wouldn't have correct yeah I I think long story short on this I really feel like we both want, like Rock is shoehorned into this. When it all plays out, we don't want to feel like he was shoehorned into this. They need to write it so that it feels like he belongs there, that he served a real purpose that didn't overshadow Cody. And that's tricky, especially if there is any you know, thing to my concern that maybe this is Rock kind of him and Hong. Uh, because that's really hard to set the course then and, and uh, work on little intricacies, set things up if it's changing all the time. And I hope it's not. I, I don't know that it is. It's nothing I've heard or anything like that. But just kind of seeing it, knowing that it's somebody at Rock's level, I could see that being an issue. Uh, but again, I, I just I, I think these guys need to be strong heels right now. I, I haven't. And, and beyond just I'll slap the herpes off your face. You know, that's a cute one-liner, and, and it's rock shtick, and, and it's been very successful over the years. But it, it's time for a 2024 version of The Rock. And if they do that, it, well, it requires him being committed to being a heel beyond mania. Because if he's not, I think we're going to kind of see this cutesy stuff, a little tongue-in-cheek, so that it's easier when he goes back to being a babyface right away. But I don't, yeah, it's just, it's so hard without knowing, having any indication what they have in mind and where this is going to, to pick it apart too much because we we just haven't seen enough yet. Yes, I, I agree. And, and really, I mean, we're going to do this again in three weeks. And when that yeah. happens, we're going to have three weeks of, of uh, I'm trying to think, okay, there's three more SmackDowns then will be after that or will it be right before that? Yeah, right after that. So we're going to have... Three SmackDowns with Rock on it. And we're going to know a lot more. I mean, we're just going to, you know, but in, we're still going to have a couple weeks to go to WrestleMania at that point. We're going to know a lot more by then about Rock's performance, how crowd is, how the crowds are reacting. Is he doing the greatest hits or is he putting himself in a situation where he's immersing himself and going, uh, let, let's be fresh. Let's have it, you know, it's like bands. We want a new sound. We want to 
to have a, a new sound and we've grown up. We want our music to be grown up. Is Rock going to think that or is Rock going, ah, Rock's just going to do what Rock always does. He's going to get the crowd response. Um, and we're going to know a lot more over, after three more weeks. What, what does it tell you that Rock is going to be at the next three SmackDowns? Like, I, I think, I mean, I think it's good. I think you want somebody of his stature to not just be dropping in once every three weeks and sending a video and everything is, is about talking about him when he's not there. Yeah, I was really happy to see that. That needs to happen. And I'm hoping it's, you know, they add more to it even. You do run the risk that it becomes less special to see him, but it's on him to make it feel special when he's there. And it, it should allow them to help tell their story. It, it would be really difficult with him just kind of checking in, like you say, either you know sending in a video or something and just uh, delivering promos rather than actu- actually being engaged and taking part in the storylines. So, yeah, that's definitely a positive. And, I mean, they've kind of set up Friday that he responds to Cody's challenge to a match. And uh, that's going to be very interesting. I, I just, you know, I, I listened to the beginning of your show last night. I just kind of ran out of time today. And your co-host basically said he was looking at his uh, pay-per-view calendar, wondering if there was one more wedge <laughs> in between. And I felt the same way. Yes. Like, are they going to this Tuesday in Texas on us or something? I don't think so. It, it crossed my mind, a, a, a Peacock special. Uh, I suppose they could. Yeah, just yeah, like, I, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't I know. I would do it this close though. to Mania. That's just me. Yeah. But, you, no, you, exactly, because when you talk about Cody's challenge, The Rock will Rock accept. I, I, I mean, obviously Rock is going to have a say and dictate, you know, what he wants. But what would Rock's answer, what would Rock's rationale be for... I don't want to wrestle you at WrestleMania because if he's on Roman's side, he should go. Yeah, I'll fight you, but not before WrestleMania. Night one of WrestleMania, and if you can make it through me and still beat Roman, you know you'll you'll be a legend. You know, talk him into. I don't know. Or what's in it for the Rock? They still want. You know, they're still mm-hmm. bitter. They don't get to have their match together, and so could Rock? Could that be the stipulation? As Cody has to put his WrestleMania title shot on the line. I'm not saying I like it, but I right. just from a logic standpoint, that would make some sense. So then if what you're basically telling fans, maybe the match you're expecting to see on night two won't happen. And oh, it's a confusing mess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I can't sit here and endorse it, but yeah. just from where they are in the storyline, that part would make sense. Right. But I oh, think right. It does. It does kind of make things more complicated than they need to be because again, he shoehorned into this. I know. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, it's, it's fascinating and, and you know, We'll uh, we'll see. We'll know a lot more in the next few weeks, and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be. Uh, we're going to get a lot of questions answered, and we're going to have a lot to critique. I think, um, but may- maybe we'll just be really impressed. You know, the, sometimes when oh, we're like, so. yeah, when we're sometimes when we look at what hasn't happened yet, we're like, how are they going to make this work? Um, it's or it's because we think there's a way that it'll work. But we're worried they're going to take a different path for political reasons or, you know, whatever. And in this case, I just don't know what that ideal path is because there just isn't that perfect opponent to involve Rock at WrestleMania this year. And there's not a perfect storyline where he fits in. There's a really big negative to anything that involves Rock wrestling at WrestleMania other than the omnipresent positive that, oh my God, Rock's wrestling at WrestleMania. (laughs) You know, like, that's a positive but it has to be wedged in in a way that th- there isn't, in my mind yet, a storyline that makes sense that fits 
the motivations of everybody involved, why they would say yes, or um, or even just serving the fans. You know, like you said, there's a the 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 negative of well, if Rock wrestles Cody, and if you beat me, you get the title shot. If you don't, you miss it. Like you can't do that to fans, but fans will just know. Cody well, I, I think you could do that to fans if it's a TV match. Correct. You know, at least a week or so before well, Mania. You you don't want to do that WrestleMania night one. It's intent. It's it's by several magnifications worse if it's WrestleMania weekend. But there's still something negative about unless unless a match takes place two weeks from Friday on SmackDown and they try to pop a yeah, huge rating. Yeah. That's far enough out from WrestleMania. I'm I'm fine with that. I think if you do it a week or two before Mania, you're you, you don't have a lot of time. I mean, the, the posters are going to be out. You know, it's like Cody versus Roman. And then there's an asterisk, asterisk card subject to change. Like, really? Like, we're going we're gonna to potentially voluntarily mess up um, our WrestleMania main event? I mean, people aren't going to buy it. They're just going to go, yeah, well, well let's, let's watch Cody beat Rock. Uh, let's watch Cody beat Rock on this date. Um, and maybe, that, maybe they just count on fans knowing. You know, and the ones who don't aren't going to be thinking that hard about it anyway. Yeah, I, I mean, this also could be they're setting something up for Saudi Arabia. It does. It feels awkward to do it now. Yeah, I don't know why you would start building to that before WrestleMania. So it probably is something before then. But yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I just hope that they have a lot of really smart people working on this, and they're going to be able to make it all make sense somehow. I, but I'm not all that confident right now that uh, there's not going to be some big holes, including that. Well. Here's one that's been around for a long time. Yeah. You know, WWE isn't trying to... They're not fighting the fans anymore. They don't right. come off looking like villains. The, the company doesn't look like villains. Yet, no one can just go to Nick Aldis or Triple H and, and say, hey, the bloodline interferes in every single one of Roman's title <laughs> matches. How about you ban everyone from ringside? That's the thing. There, there's it, it's, what, it's one of the reasons, like, in the Elimination Chamber... It, it's hard, for, and we'll, we'll talk about that coming up here. Um, it's hard for me to get past brass knuckles being having Michael Coco. It's legal. Well, if it's legal, then <laughs> everyone else looks like a fool for not bringing a taser, or or several sets of brass knuckles, or a metal spike, or an ice pick. You know, like I mean, if everything's legal and the stakes are high, it's just so stupid. I mean, it's just then why are the baby faces and, and some of the heels? using wrestling moves when you can use brass knuckles like it just right. I, I just it's so dumb and so like if if and that's it, it's 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 that to me is much worse than the bloodline hours interfering and the gm's feeling hapless but it is an ongoing issue with wrestling and i i mean i'd like that to be cleaned up a bit um where egregious cheating is not repeated without ramifications and heels have to be more clever or gain some leverage or like it just you know i mean you and i grew up with you know wally carbo um you know threatening fines and suspensions and freaking out and threatening threatening suspensions and then the baby face you know would say no don't suspend him i want him in the ring like there, there there's a lot of tropes in pro wrestling now that are missing key elements that made it make sense back when they were originally formatted but now we get this derivative of a derivative a xerox of a xerox as they say and there's literally wrestlers who just don't even know what the original circumstances were that made this work. They just go, well, that's the way it's always been. And heels cheat and GMs are hapless and you just have to turn your brain off. But it hasn't always been that way. But you have to really reel in some bad habits and work a little harder to create a more logical structure for it. And with, uh, you know, with the bloodline interfering, it's kind of like getting to the point where, yeah, maybe, maybe you come up with a structure that makes sense. And I mean, it's, yeah, whatever. I could... 
Uh, now I could start uh, talking about well, the things I mean, Jim Ross themselves. I was about to start mentioning the stuff Jim Ross complains about in commentary by AW, but I won't go down that road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jason. Well, they did, they did it to themselves. Yeah. There was they had to overprotect everyone. You're boasting about having the most dominant world champion in the in the modern era, and yet he every time has to resort to outside interference. Just let him beat someone clean, and they went through this long stretch where they wouldn't do it. They, they just overprotected everybody. Yeah. And I think, you know, there are consequences for that. Yeah. Yep. Well, Jason, we are uh, deep into the show, but we haven't introduced ourselves yet. So let's do that. This is the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, a Tuesday flagship edition on February 27th, 2024. Thanks for joining us this week. Um, I'm Wade Keller. Host of the show, editor, publisher, and founder of Pro Wrestling Torch, the newsletter, the website, pwtorch.com, and the host of various podcasts throughout the week. Some are VIP exclusive for our members. Check out details at pwtorch.com slash govip if you want to support what we do and get a lot of content and decades of archives uh, in return when you sign up. And uh, also a variety of free shows, including our, our weekly flagship and also the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post shows following Raw, Dynamite, SmackDown, and some collisions. And, um, uh, yeah, and then I'm also joined, the other voice you hear, by Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net, the longest-running co-host here on the flagship. He joins me uh, on average, uh, almost always, every three weeks, and he is the uh, the head honcho at ProWrestling.net and the host of the ProWrestling Boom podcast. Jason, fun talking with you again this week, a lot to talk about. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the co-host chair. Always good to be here, and they always give us plenty of things to talk about. They do, yeah. We're like, you know, roughly a third of the way into the show, and we've talked about one thing so far. <laughs> uh, Crazy. Yes, yes. Um, let's do this so so we don't uh, forget to do it later. T- tell people more about what you do, how they can read more from you, hear more from you, support what you do uh, in between your appearances here on the show. Yeah, ProWrestling.net is the website that everybody can visit. It uh, has news updates, uh, live reviews of all the major television shows, PLEs and pay-per-views. My hit lists, uh, Colin McGuire's weekly blog, and so much more. Uh, the Pro Wrestling Boom is the free weekly podcast. We went live on Monday. Johnny Fairplay joined me, and we took calls coming out of the Elimination Chamber and looked ahead to Revolution. We will actually be live again this coming Monday at 1 Central, 2 Eastern, at pwaudio.net, coming out of AEW Revolution. And Johnny's actually going to be in attendance for that show, so we'll get his in-person perspective as well. Uh, just do a search for Pro Wrestling Boom on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe once you do. And uh, if you are, if you enjoy the ProWrestling.net website, uh, know that we do have a membership website as well. Uh, it uh, works very similar to the Torch, where once you sign up, all the ads go away. The ad-free version of the website and also a ton of ad-free audio content. Uh, my uh, same-night reviews of Raw and AEW Dynamite. And uh, the staff uh, joins in and reviews, uh, basically same-night reviews of almost every major television show. And uh, certainly the PLEs and pay-per-views. My Q&A audio shows on Mondays when I'm not doing Pro Wrestling Boom Live, uh, where I take the members' questions and at the end have a little fun with their non-wrestling questions as well. And our flagship is the .NET Weekly Audio Show, co-hosted by Jake Barnett. We discuss all the news of the week. If uh, we record on Thursday, we'll often look back at the Dynamite the night before and get Jake's take on that. Uh, it is a, a fun collection of audio that I think everyone would enjoy. Uh, if you are interested in membership, visit pwmembership.net 
We also have a Patreon option, and you may find a tier that will save you a little bit of money if that's what you're interested in. Go to patreon.com slash prowrestling.net. Just spell it out, D-O-T-N-E-T. And if you want to reach out to me on social media, it is at prowrestlingnet. All right, very good. Well, uh, Jason, we've got an email that's related to what we've been talking about. And uh, I'll read it. We'll see if it sparks any more conversation on this. And then we'll move on. I, I want to talk about things that happen on Raw and, and all that. But I actually want to go back to Elimination Chamber and talk about that show a little bit with you coming up. And, of course, we'll shift to um, AEW soon also and look ahead to um, to them trying to be on the radar of, uh, of fans that go beyond their core core audience um, heading into a pay-per-view. And, and we'll evaluate the job that they're doing with the lineup and the hype. But first things first, uh, Dana says, hey guys, I'll be attending all shows WrestleMania weekend, and I'm not sure I'm actually ready for it. I'm not prepared to potentially see Roman, Gunther, Carmelo Hayes, and Drew McIntyre lose. I was excited here that they were going to win, that they're going with Roman versus Rock. I felt the value of my $1,265 tickets went way up. That's just still weird. <laughs> That's how much these, mm-hmm. I mean, I get it. Um, but now it feels like a sort of predictable Cody win. I'm hoping with these last few shows, we can get a clear picture of it not being so predictable. My dream scenario is Seth Rollins turning on Cody because he wants to be the one to beat Roman. Am I being dramatic, LOL? Um, so it's interesting because, you know, we, we talk about the fans wanting Cody versus Roman. And yet there are fans, and I've heard from them. I think it's a minority. Um, who would? I'm not talking about the casual fans who only show up if they think Rock's in a big thing and then they're going to be gone. You know, they won't even think about WWE for another year. Um, there are fans who who thought, no, Roman Rock, that's huge. You know, not screw Cody, but you know, we can, Cody, you can do it another time. Let's let's have this this uh, this dream match. And I was one uh, of them. yeah, so Dana's one of them too. She's like, I was ready for that. I think that outcome would have also been predictable. I mean, I guess you could say, oh, they'll do a rematch and Roman will win it back at, you know, at another time or Rock will drop it to somebody else. But I think if it was Rock-Roman, it either would not have been for the title or it you know, would have been ahead of, a, ahead of a table type thing or or Roman would win. I can't imagine Rock coming in going, yeah, let me beat Roman and then go back to Hollywood. Um, so I think that would have been predictable too. And But Dana says, now it feels like a sort of, like a sort of predictable Cody win. It's like, yeah, I mean, you you want. I mean, pro wrestling is is not in the business of always giving the fans what they want. But there are moments in time where you give the fans what they want. You don't overthink it. Um, and so, the right move is still for Cody to beat Roman. And it's just a matter of that anxiety of will it happen or not. It's like on election night if your candidate has a has a you know eight point lead in the polls. You still are nervous until the results come in. And I think that's how fans will feel at WrestleMania this year. Like, we think Cody's going to win. He lost last year. This is the time to do it. But what if, what if, what if? And they're going to be anxious until it happens. So even if Cody wins, and it's likely, it's not for sure till it happens. So I still think you get drama, but you still ultimately should end up uh, with Cody winning. So those are some of my initial reactions to uh, Dana's email. What do you think? Is it Dana, you said? Dana, yep. Dana gets to complain. Anyone who, well, was amongst the so-called Cody crybabies, you do not have the right to complain about WrestleMania playing out in a predictable fashion if it does. I'm sorry. You're getting what you want. You don't get to complain if Cody goes on and just beats Roman Reigns to win the championship. Uh, Anyway, you can complain about the rest of the show, but that scenario, no. This is you're giving you what you want. 
don't start crying that they didn't throw any curveballs your way. And I don't think most of those people will. I think they'll be very happy to see Cody win the championship. Um, as far, well, kind of get me, bring me back here. I just had that in my head, and now that's uh, kind of overridden everything. So, yeah, so Dana says um, that Dana's preparing to potentially see Roman, Gunther, Hayes, and Drew Lou. So that's another part of the email. Um, and Roman's gonna Roman is likely gonna lose. Well, let me go to the Rollins thing for a second. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was part two. Yep. I I can definitely see uh, Seth turning on Cody if they want to go in that direction, but I don't think it would be for the reason that he. I mean, then you then Seth is is a firm heel, and he wants to go after Roman. Now, if there's going to be a Roman turn, right? And Seth also turns heel around that time, then it makes some sense. But I would think that if Seth were to turn on Cody, it I, I still don't think it would derail Cody from winning the championship. It would be something that happens on the way or coming out of the match. Uh, because I do think, yeah, if we get, assuming they just stick with Cody and Roman, and I think they will at this point, I do think that Cody wins that championship. Um, I'm not as sold. Uh, the you know, Gunther losing, I think, can happen. Let's see what his match is. My Hope is that it's Sami Zayn and his singles, um, and they're not going to do some weird multi-person thing uh, at Mania. It's more of a number one contenders match they're doing the multi-person thing for. And I could see Sami winning, for sure. But Drew and Seth, I think there's a real mystery there. And in fact, I would lean slightly uh, in Drew winning. Uh, that would be my prediction as things stand today. You know, I reserve the right to change my tune as we get closer to Mania, but that's where I'm at right now. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the email here. Um, I'm hoping with these last few shows, we can get a clear picture of it not being so predictable. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think, I think we're heading towards not predictability, but anxiousness and the fan base hoping for a certain outcome. But I mean, we can go back to the first 25 minutes of the show. I mean, there's just some twists and turns here that it's not so much the landing place. That's a mystery, although to a degree it is. Um, to some degree, but m- the bigger mystery is is the journey that we are that we go on the next few weeks, including building Friday's SmackDown around um, Rock responding to uh, Cody's challenge. So, Jason, let, let's shift to Elimination Chamber and let's let's start with that segment, and, and we'll kind of uh, rewind a little bit. So, we had the, the Grayson Waller effect with Austin Theory um, hanging out with Grayson, and then we've got uh, Cody and Seth um, interacting. It, it, the segment felt a little disjointed, a little sort of wedged in, but, or like we're going to fill some time until we get to Cody challenging The Rock. Um, what what else did you take from that segment? And what do you think about the segment itself? And 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 the fact that that was present that it was put onto Elimination Chamber to add, I guess, just like a, 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 some news value to a show that, speaking of predictable endings, had a, a string of very predictable endings. Yeah, it. And, you know, that's the thing. It kind of ties into Dana's uh, point about uh, WrestleMania being predictable. We just had a very predictable Elimination Chamber, but it was also a very enjoyable show. And a lot of times WrestleMania, uh, not from start to finish, but many of the matches are predictable because it's feuds reaching their their peak. And often, you know, their end result is typically fairly predictable, but it doesn't mean it's not a fun ride and, and it's not a fun experience. So keep that in mind. Uh, knowing now where they were going just to, you know, to set up Grayson Waller and Cody, I don't, I mean, I know it was Grayson in Australia, 
I guess I would have done something to put some heat on the guy to make people actually want to see Cody get some, just have a match with him. That that felt like a cold raw main event to me because of the way they played it. Uh, I guess the other thing that stood out was Seth announcing he is you know very close to being cleared to return, which is a, obviously a good thing because there was some still a little bit of mystery in terms of whether he'd be ready. And uh, with him making it seem like it's uh, inevitable now, that's awesome news. But yeah, it just was a segment to get a little more star power on the show for the uh, the Aussies who probably paid a boatload of money for this event. Um, all right. Uh, so Elimination Chamber overall, Jason. Um, it, I, I think uh, there was some astute analysis, and I think it was Greg and Brandon talking about how this event but am I, I'm, I'm, I listen to them like back to back because uh, um, Todd Martin, Rich Fan, and Kelly Wells also did a VIP roundtable on the show. But I know they were bringing up uh, different points. And one of them that was brought up, I think, on just one of the shows is they wanted the show to be somewhat low key. I think it was Brandon, now that I think about it, who was like, the hype was not, you need to sh- see the show and you need to watch it live. It's one of the biggest things. It was more like, this will be a good show. And tune in if you can at these really weird times. But if not... Even spoilers won't ruin it for you. It's going to be more about the spectacle of the stadium and the matches and the violence and how we get to the end point that you kind of know is going to be the end point. You know, you kind of have a pretty good idea of who's going to win the chamber, each of the chamber matches and who's going to win the other matches. So they took their money from Perth. They have the, the you know, the give Australian fans something that they, they loved and deserved and all of that. I mean, so it, it was cool in that sense. But it did seem like, and maybe it was just a happenstance of the booking, that the event was, I even asked like, Jason Aust- Jason from Australia, Jason Australia on on the Raw post show last week. Does it does it feel like you're in any way being cheated out of out of a actual like PLE level event? Is it at that level, or is it something in a different category? Because it's like oh, a couple gimmick matches and a couple filler matches. And he's like, no, he felt good about it. Um, but at the same time, I it didn't feel like a, a mega event to me uh, on, on paper or in execution, but it felt smooth. It felt like WWE doing what it knows how to do, going about its business and entertaining people for a little over three hours um, in an effective way with effective use of its wrestlers doing, taking just enough chances, but not excessive chances, um, not being too conservative. And so they put on a show, but it wasn't a show that if you didn't get around to watching it live or even to get around to watching it on delay, it was. It wasn't like now you're resenting the fact that it was on at the time that it was on. So, kind of big picture, how did you feel about? I won't call it an experiment, just because they've been doing it with Saudi Arabia too, but a very different time slot, and the pros and cons of the approach that they took with what ended up being the lineup and the execution of that lineup. I really enjoyed the chamber for what it was. You know, it just kind of seemed obvious going in what the finishes were going to be. And, you know, that's okay. It's kind of the sacrifice you make to get an unpredictable Royal Rumble. I think the odds of both of those shows feeling really unpredictable are pretty slim, uh, just because they are setting the course for mania. And I care far more about the Rumble than I do the Chamber. And so, yeah, when it happens to me, it's uh, when the Chamber feels more predictable, I'm willing to take that trade-off. It's all right with me. And um, it did feel, I felt, yeah, the, the crowd, the look of the show, it did feel big to me. One thing I'm surprised by is that I, I get why they don't do it for every uh, PLE that they have. But this one in particular, with the weird start time here in the United States, 
why don't you just tell people like, hey, you don't have to get up that early. We hope you do and watch it live, but you do have the option of watching it anytime you want. You can even lie to them and just say anytime you want on Saturday and then leave it at that. I know, uh, yeah. But they didn't do any of that. Yeah. If I'm the folks at Peacock, I'm like, what gives here, guys? We're, we're trying to get as many views as possible, and you're making it seem like you had to be up at you know 3.30 in the morning or like I was to, to start with the kickoff show in order to see this thing or you didn't get uh, to see it at all. And clearly that's not the case. Yes, yes. So um, the, the the stadium atmospheres we're seeing in WWE these days and the larger than life, it, you know, we've been following this long enough and seeing it long enough. There used to be, uh, you know, if WrestleMania was in a big stadium, it's like, oh, okay, this is really cool and different. And now with the Royal Rumble and SummerSlam and, and Elimination, they are just stepping back for a moment like it's it is we shouldn't just like not take for granted but like not take not pause and take note of the level of success that WWE is having right now and this is not like even related to the rock being part of things i mean like i mean he can give a boost to it but i think it's it's actually part of why i think fans responded to rock the way they did which is things are going well without you we're doing just fine here don't come in and mess things up uh don't use your power to mess things up the, the the camera shots we're getting post Kevin Dunn of, of the camera going down the aisle and the fact that they have arenas that are full all the way around the horseshoe shape of the stage with the ring in the middle that they can show you the perspective that wrestlers have walking to the ring and it's a well-lit arena lit to the back row in major arenas for Raw and SmackDown and then you have these stadiums um, in across the globe that are filling up and now you've, you know, and then you know, and on top of it, the TV deals and Netflix deals and all that. It is, WWE's popularity is crazy big right now. And it, yes. it, it leads into, you know, the discussion of, of how different this, the lay of the land is now versus in our, our shows that we put, we put up five years ago shows on our feeds. Um, and, and, and the conversation five years ago was, you know, AEW has a chance to compete with WWE in a way that nobody else has. WWE is vulnerable. There's these weaknesses. AEW can come in. It's it's got a younger owner um, and and you know a, a different type of wrestler and and a different a cr- type of crew with a different attitude and it doesn't have the 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 the, uh, the baggage of, of Vince McMahon and and Roman being you know shoved down our throats and Cena being booed and all of that and it's like. The landscape of WWE right now, it's so different. And if you're Tony Khan, looking at this, it 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 it's it seems like it would almost be intimidating, if not deflating, to see your stagnation, if not regression in popularity over the last five years, basically, and where WWE is in terms of growth. It it's it's starting to feel insurmountable to be seen as anything, but what TNA at its peak was a distant wannabe number two, hoping for a slice of the market where it could be sustainable and profitable, but in no way seen as an alternative near equal. I think that's fair. And I think it was a mistake. It may not have, it may not have been at the time, but in hindsight now, it's easy to say it was a mistake to come out swinging and, take jabs at WWE and WWE is not innocent don't get me wrong but I think had Tony Khan established it that it's okay to watch both you don't have to choose it would have served them better in the long run and I think that obviously Paul Levesque taking creative control has been the thing that's really turned the tide for WWE 
and they just haven't pivoted their strategy. You know, we haven't seen anything all you know within the last week or two, but you know, it's not. It's still you know firing shots, and in in and on the other side, they're just ignoring him uh, because they know they've gotten to him, and they don't have to punch down. You know, they can just let him have his meltdowns, and it, it's not a good look for Tony. It rallies his base. But I do wonder, you know, had Tony Khan come into this as the guy who, hey, you love pro wrestling, so do I. You love WWE, so do I. But we're here to offer something different. We hope you watch both. I I think they'd be in a much better place. Too. I also think, for that matter, had Tony Khan just played Oz and stayed behind the curtain, they'd be in a much better place, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how how true is that of so many um so many situations over the years with with promoters and, and upstart promotions and and even number one promotions. I mean, I, it, I mean, the, the make the the uh, abundance and overexposure of the McMahons and Hunter and Stephanie as the authority over the years. It, you know, and I mean, there was a stretch of years where all we wanted was an episode of Raw that was about the wrestlers and not the McMahons, or right. where the authority wasn't just big footing. Um, the, the the wrestlers because they were the stars of the show and you know it's for whatever reason you know that Vince McMahon thought well the and it's like Jeff Jarrett and TNA pushing himself as a top star it's like well I'll never leave the territory so I'm going to be the top star and that was the the old school um, you know promoter viewpoint if you if you reached even a certain threshold of popularity or skill and had any kind of bond with the audience you wanted the Vern Gagne Jerry Lawler slash Jeff Jarrett formula of the Von Erichs and Dallas you 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 push your Push yourself at the top if you're the promoter or booker. And for a while, the McMahons weren't wrestlers. So, I mean, they'd pretend wrestle, Shane and Vince would, and Stephanie on occasion. But they didn't, they weren't the stars. So they found a way to make themselves the stars otherwise. And, oh, give them a rub because we become big stars. And we don't have to deal with that anymore. Like, even Paul Levesque, it's like, Paul's like, is he in the, the sweet spot where he gained popularity more in kind of a grassroots way? And he appears now and then, but he's not overdoing it. There's, a, there's a, a, it, it, when he appears, it seems special, but it doesn't feel like he thinks he's the show. I can't believe I'm saying this about the guy we watched <laughs> wrestle for so long, right, um, who right. always wanted to be the centerpiece of the show. But he does seem like he's in a different place and deserving of being evaluated in, in a different way if you allow for the idea that people change and circumstances change. And I think Paul Levesque is, is the ideal scenario. Not so sure... Um, you know, Tony Khan would say, well, I don't appear that often. But the, but his, he's everywhere. Yeah. He opens the press release of Jen Pepperman with his name. Yep. Um, he, you know, everything that happens on that show is a gift from Tony Khan. We're getting yep. this match because we're getting an overrun because of Tony Khan. Tony yes. Khan, Tony Khan, Tony Khan. <laughs> yes, exactly. My understanding is Tony Khan has authorized us to not cut away from a match midstream, which we've never done before. And every week we have an overrun and we stay with the match till the end. But isn't it great Tony Khan decided to do that again this week? It's too much. Yeah, yeah. But do you agree, Paula Beck is 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 found a sweet spot? Like this is kind of a good, good yeah. model for the promoter slash Booker authority figure. He is what Tony Khan labeled himself a device, basically that can be used to move up, ideally the ratings. Or in in many cases with Levesque, it's not even that. You know, if he's got an announcement, it means something coming from Levesque. But as I've always said with Tony Khan's announcements too. You can label them as an AEW announcement. It doesn't have to be a Tony Khan announcement. Right. And I know Tony defenders get bothered and think that I'm picking on Tony, and it's really not that. It's just you have to recognize that 
he's overexposed himself. He has been polarizing. And there is part of the audience that, the, of the wrestling fan base that dislikes Tony Khan, fair or unfair. Yeah. They do. And when you put yourself out there as much as Tony does and you make the, the product so much about you, those fans are less likely to give you a chance. And I just think he would benefit from, you want to play that? Jason, I, lo- I, I lost my connection. Sorry, Jason, I lost my connection to you for like 10 seconds. So um, sure. just if you can rewind a little bit, uh, Tony Khan would be better off if. I think Tony Khan would be better off having an on-air authority figure. And I'm not saying someone that's going to turn heel and do all this. Sting's retiring. Maybe that's why they haven't been going crazy. Sting's final appearance in every city that he goes to is that maybe he's going to take on that role. Mm -hmm. He played it well, better than I ever expected him to in TNA. And I think that would benefit the the company. That you would get this, instead of having this guy who has been so poor, He's in control, but instead of giving Tony Khan credit for everything at all times, you just pull back a little bit, and Sting appears kind of similar to Levesque in that, hey, when it makes sense, he's there. Uh, When it doesn't make sense, it's not how do we work him in? How do we please this guy? Uh, Just save it for when it makes sense. And and, uh, you can do that with Tony, but he's shown no restraint. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure we're another... Uh, we, we've got the Boston show coming up, and then I'm sure right around the corner will be another big announcement, too. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, that's the way he does things. Uh, speaking of which, I, I want to talk about, um, I want to shift to AW. We'll go back to WWE because I want to talk about some of the undercards, so to speak, at WrestleMania and expand more on what's going on with Gunther and Becky and Rhea and all that later. Um, but I also um, want to ask about what you think the impact of the former Sasha Banks, Mercedes Monet, can be on. AEW, speaking of the Boston show. So I want to look past Revolution briefly and talk about that. Um, uh, Jason, what do you think of the ticket sales for Boston? What does that tell you? And where do you think, um, what kind of difference do you think Monet is going to make um, for AEW? And, and who do you compare her to in terms of acquisitions or difference makers for AEW or any company over the years? Not CM Punk. Uh, no. Do you know off the top of your head? I, I haven't looked in a while uh, where we're at for the Boston show. I'm just trying to find it now. Um, I'm, I'm not. I know sure. they. Yeah, I, I don't know um, where they are as of this moment, but I know you know it wasn't an instant sellout. Um, yeah, I want to say they were at like six thousand something. Maybe they were the last time I took a look. Yeah, so let's see, February twenty fourth. Uh, WrestleTix has updated to sixty four forty five. So as of three days ago. Um, with a setup of 7270. Um, the uh, Blood and Guts event last July did 8,900. So they're, they're, they're only two-thirds of the way, eh, three-fourths of the way, to where they were in July. Okay. And, I mean, Blood and Guts is big, yep. and the company has lost a lot of people since then, if you just look at the average attendance in, in the market. So that's fine. You know, I think it's a, a good number. I think she will mean something night one. Um, and, and some of it is, you know, it's it's her, but it's also the intrigue of, okay, is Okada going to be there? What else do they have up their sleeve for this episode? Um, but, you know, certainly it's built around her. And then it's on them. 
you know, I, boy, I'd love to tell you that I think she can be a massive difference maker. Maybe she will be. I, I think she becomes the face of that women's division that, that really needs one. And Tony Storm is that, but it, it's just so wacky. It's different. Uh, it's not your traditional money drawing face of the company, even if we, you know, I do get a kick out of her. But what are they doing to set this up? You know, who who are they elevating right now? Other than Serena Deeb talking about being a straight up wrestler in a promo on Collision, which was seen by less than 400,000 people. Um, who are they really elevating and, and putting in position for her rival? That's been my biggest issue with this. Like they've had plenty of time. They've known she's been you know, coming for a while. So is it, well, it's not going to be anybody that's there now. Britt Baker or Jamie Hayter are coming back or you know, right to that. That's something for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I, w- I would enjoy certainly Jamie Hayter and uh, Mercedes, I think would be fantastic. Uh, but I think so much of it, it's okay. Whatever night one does, it's all about the follow-up. And based on what we've seen with a, a lot of these big debuts over the years, I just, uh, they have to earn my trust on that. And so I, I want to believe she can be a big difference maker. I just am skeptical though, based on their track record. Yeah, I, I am too. I, I, I think people who are really into Sasha Banks are really into Sasha Banks. And, and that's good. I mean, you want to have a fan base and you want them to be advocates for you. But if you step back and you go, okay, I'm not. Maybe not that into Sasha Banks. <laughs> well, it, 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 they, they do take it to an extreme. And, and even, even Sasha would feel that way sometimes. At meet, I would meet, hope. meet and greets. Like, okay, okay. Um, not, not that much physical contact, please. Uh, let's. Uh, <laughs> um, so, but she is not, and I think we're seeing it here. I mean, they basically said you know, she's debuting at the show without saying it. I mean, you can't do the dollar sign. I mean, all the clues, obviously. And it's just, it's it's drawing, you know, significantly less at this stage with, you know, a few weeks to go, a couple weeks to go, um, quite a bit below the last time they were in that building. And I, I just, if I was more impressed by her recent performances, especially like on the microphone, I mean, she just... I feel like I saw different promos than other people. I mean, she just looked like she was in La La Land. Like I don't, I don't know what she was going for. Um, I don't know what to make of it, and I just, I don't know that she's going to show up and be that type of alpha female centerpiece star. Let's make things happen. Um, personality on camera and off camera to, to make that big of a difference. But I think Tony Khan sees her signing as 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 you know. CM Punk or CM Punk next level down, but not too far down. And, and I, I think she's, you know, more in the realm of, you know, somewhere in between Brian Danielson and Adam Cole when they were brought in, you know, more than Malachi Black, more than Miro, um, more than Adam Cole, Ooh, but not more than Malachi Black. Yeah. I think you're forgetting how over he was when he came in. It's it's the way they've just pissed away his career uh, since he came in. I mean, that's a point. Maybe the, the maybe. crowd started turning on Cody because he was feuding with Malachi. That's a good point. Maybe it's maybe maybe Mercedes is in that in that realm of of, of Malachi and and Danielson. And then it, it, it your point is is very astute, which is or or um a pertinent, which is then it just depends on what you do with her and how she presents herself. Um you know, does she come in and, and sort of wing it and go, I'm a star and people are going to adore me and I don't have, or is she going to go, I need to be, uh, you know, reorient myself to everything going on here and, and get my hands dirty in terms of, okay, here's their, here's 
Here's five opponents I want to wrestle in the next year and a half who I want to have significant feuds with. Let me get to know them. Let me. I'm watching the product. I'm immensely familiar with these people. I know not only what they've done on camera, what their skill set is, how hungry they are. Um, I've, I've asked around. I found out who's easy to work with, who's, who's open to criticism, constructive criticism. Um, and these are the people that I want to elevate and make into bigger stars, and I think they can help me. And like that's what a, that's what a true top star does. Or does she walk in and want the red carpet rolled out and tell me, what have you got for me? No, I'm not feeling that. Let me do this. And then she leaves. And and that's like two extremes of sort of how big stars act. But for her to make a difference because of the state of the women's division and the fact that she's not she's not just someone you can just drop in the middle and go, go do your thing and have that be sustainable. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know how much Tony Khan is, is, is leaning on her to be that person, she can, he can just drop in and she's a star. Or if he understands to get the most out of her, you have to do all that stuff I just talked about. She needs to show that she's all in and 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 um, just immerses herself in getting to know the women that she's going to be working with, and and immerses herself in 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 the way the cadence and the and the timing of how AEW is booked and mapping out a long term plan. And putting, and I say this, you know, you see with the bloodline segments during their peak, the amount of time, the amount of text messages, and Heyman talked about this in an interview he did, like the back and forth of planning things out with the people involved, you know, was Heyman and and Roman especially, but others too, Sammy or whoever was involved in the storyline at that moment. They're thinking about it all week. They're interacting all week. They're spending hours backstage before they they film, tweaking and going over things. And and then you watch, you know, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, and it's like Kenny looks like he rolled out of bed, and the Bucks look like they just are, are jet lagged and wishing they were home with their families. And oh, we we just want to have good matches that people give six stars to. We don't want to have, have, actually have to put thought into improving our, our our promos and and having layers to our storyline. That's how it came across in their performances. And where is Mercedes going to fit in in that realm? You know, is she going to be the person who's just driving Tony nuts with ideas and 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 call and texting and calling the women she's working with and really showing up with this depth and layers and granular detail to make everything work? Or is she going to show up and go, well, I should be adored and I'm I'm a bigger star than anybody here? And those are two extremes. It's probably somewhere in between. But where where does she fall in that range is going to determine her impact beyond week one. Yes, absolutely. And encouraging for her that they brought in Jennifer Peppermint. Sounds like they have a close relationship. And I, I'm i very anxious to find out like how involved she is in the writing of the overall show. Or is she there mainly to write for Mercedes? Yep. Uh, I, I just don't know. Uh, and then uh, how does that play with the others? If, if she is primarily there for Mercedes. I, I'm hoping she's, I mean, they could use the help mm-hmm. and I, I don't sure. know a lot about Jennifer Pepperman, but you know, the background is the, the history is there. I know people can mock the soap opera, whatever. I, and she was obviously, she did well at it. She won multiple Emmys and she had a long run with WWE. And so I think uh, that can be a positive. Um, what I've seen of Sasha outside WWE, I didn't watch the Willow match. I just had no interest in watching her. I found out she suffered the injury, and I'm like, I don't need to see that. And so I just left that one alone. But um, the I think it was the – I don't even remember who she worked. Um, well, the New Japan debut, when she just came out of Wrestle Kingdom, was pretty brutal. But then I remember the next time I saw her in the ring, she was awesome. And so hopefully we get that level of work from her 
in AEW, where work rate obviously is emphasized, uh, because she really went in there and I think silenced a lot of critics who were thinking like, ah, you know, she's Sasha Banks from WWE. And I think she reminded people quickly of how good she actually is. But, you know, there needs to be more to it than that. The presentation has to be there. Uh, the promos have to be there. And I'm with you with some of her promos. That like, what in the hell? Uh, hopefully that's going to be different now. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how she does. I just don't want it to be like so many other AEW big signings that three weeks later, they don't feel so big anymore. Exactly. Exactly. And and it's just that's is it does is Tony filling out his the management side of things more to help him so that he can focus on where his strengths are and then hire other people to augment his vision and also fill in do do some of the time commitment stuff that that feels thinned out. I mean, Collision Saturday drew under 400,000 viewers. Yes, it was on a day that there was a WWE PLE, but it wasn't head to head. You know, not even close. <laughs> no, well, I mean, it, it is in the sense that people woke up and watched it at their leisure in the afternoon, and then did. Okay, but have... there's always an excuse for this show. I'm tired of it. I, I'm not blaming you, obviously, but I feel I mean, yes, there, there there are valid reasons, you know, with <laughs> NFL season and things, but it right. just feels like every week, oh, the sun came up today, and oh, that that affected Collision negatively somehow. How about it's just not a very good show. It's a bunch of matches, and nothing else really happens that matters. Yeah, there's small storyline developments. When's the last time there's been anything newsworthy that has happened on that show that wasn't, oh, there's a match that's going to take place on Dynamite or Rampage? Nothing happens anymore. Yeah. It's Brian Danielson working against elderly Japanese men that most of the American audience hasn't heard of. But but it's a dream match for Danielson, and we're here to serve Danielson's wants and, and desires for the final stretch of his career. I mean, that that's that's the reason that he's wrestling and we should honor that because he's brand new. And of course we need to Google everything. You know, you have to Google it. I'm so turned off by that audience. That <laughs> just, you must Google it. Like, no, you don't. Right? <laughs> There's not another television show that tells you to Google it. it. I can't believe this is still a debate. And I can't believe that Tony Khan played into it when he responded to uh, the ice cube son, uh, O'Shea. I, I can't remember his last mm. name, but I just could. I'm like, Really? You're you're encouraging him to go out there and study because it's fun? How about you listen to good, honest feedback that more and more people say, but they get shouted down by these defenders who think they're the smartest fans in the world and yet have this stupid-ass opinion that clearly isn't working. If everyone was willing to Google it, wouldn't the numbers be better? They're not. Change. Enough said. My God. Yeah, Tony Khan's belief in social media as the barometer of what whether what he's doing is working or not and the way to promote things and create a buzz is so out of it's so small time i mean it's so i mean it 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 should be part of a strategy but it's just a slice of a strategy not the strategy um and and from everything i hear he puts way too much time in on social media, way too much weight on his selection of what people are saying, um, uses it to validate things that other people who we should trust more are saying, no, this isn't productive, and and seeing it as a way to generate a buzz. I mean, it's just he is in that environment too much. And, and a lot of us are in different ways. Um, a lot of people are in different ways in different realms of their life. You know, you kind of create your own, you know, little social media information, 
opinion validation uh, uh, circle. And you really have to work hard to make sure you're not falling into some sort of little micro micro world that doesn't exist outside of what you've sort of uh, curated for yourself. But from everything I hear, that's that doesn't cross Tony Khan's mind that there's that there's a bigger world out there to be conquered, and too much time and weight is put on put into that. Um, so all that said, um, well, for as far as collision goes, and then I want to get to looking at uh, Sunday's pay per view viewership down. I I I am putting more weight. I I get your I get everything you said about there's always an excuse, but I do think we've seen a pattern of collision taking a bit of a hit anytime that the AEW that the potential the the non hundred percent committed to watching everything AEW does part of the audience that's there on most weeks when they sit down and watch three hours and in twenty minutes of WWE they are less likely to watch two more hours later and because WWE paper PLEs are on Peacock it's a much larger audience than there used to be however <laughs> it isn't an excuse to just wave the white flag or give up or make excuses what you should be doing is p- making a show that is PLE proof and Jun Akiyama and Brian Danielson is not one of them and it is not is not is not that it's actually just reinforcing this show is here if you're craving wrestling but it's not destination viewing where you need to plan your plan your weekend around it um as far as collision goes it can't be a show that every once in a while Tony throws a bone to the collision audience with oh Adam Copeland is a big announcement like it has to seem like an equal to dynamite and it needs to seem like it's equal for six straight months to to have any kind of a chance for Collision to not follow the same pattern that Rampage did. But booking-wise, it's following the pattern that Rampage did. It's just hours two and three of Rampage. And it was the fear going in. And so you get you don't get any of the positives unless it's it's part of a over unless it's part of a portfolio of a new TV deal where you can point at it and go, this is amazing. Well, you know, they're they're it feels like they're the cable is desperate for hours and they're overpaying for it. But if that doesn't happen, then all it's done is it's watered down the crowd size for Dynamite. It's watered down the audience. It's, it's hurt Rampage. I mean, I've done the, the stats on that and, and written on it at PWTorch.com. Rampage is, is demonstrably hurt by collision. And so you've taken away some of Rampage's viewership. And Dynamite, you know, it's harder to tell with Dynamite, you know, what has what has to do with the stars, the injuries, the booking, um, WWE's popularity. But with I think just common sense says collision has hurt dynamite more than it's helped by watering down the stars that appear how often and then just the atmosphere at the arenas I harp on that all the time but it, I, I think it's so essential we look at WWE's big stadium shows we look at the the Ron Smackdown wide angles and Cole touting sellouts and it's impressive it makes the wrestlers feel like big stars and AEW doesn't have that now you know on occasion they'll have a good vibe in Boston I mean that's a big enough crowd they're gonna that's gonna look good but too often it's darkened arenas with a bunch of lights distracting you from the fact that the seats are empty and the upper deck is is blackened and there's only a really tight real tight camera angle it just doesn't feel like these are big stars in a hot product and to fix that if you're committed to collision you have this choice do we water down dynamite or do do we do what it seems like Tony's doing which is everything's got to be on dynamite it's our a show and collision is just sort of there to be matches. And it does seem like that's where Tony Khan has, has landed. It's not an equal to dynamite. It's not even pretending to be. No, no, I, I still, I mean, without knowing the television deal landscape where, what they're going to end up with. I, I, I mean, obviously you can't do this, but I've said it before. If there's, if they do keep collision, regardless of whether there's a night change, whatever, I really, I think I split the roster. I think I take the WWE approach to it. 
Uh, that way people know who's going to be there yep. and might actually buy tickets to see them. Uh, then you have separate storylines that only play out in one show rather than, uh, you'll get a little bit of progression on Collision, but if you really want to see what's going to happen, you got to watch Dynamite. And that's how it feels far too often. Uh, I mean, the, the show, if you're just looking for two hours of wrestling on a Saturday night, it's usually fine. There's usually some good matches, but I think... Fans want more than that in most cases. Um, not the super fans, but you know, I, I think the average fan wants there to be storyline developments, and it doesn't have to be all the major announcements happen there. But gosh, you know, give people something beyond just matches. And I, I know there's you know some promos and things too. It's not that it's an awful show. It's that it just doesn't feel like you need to see this anymore. It, it really has become Rampage Part Two, where it's like if you see it, you see it. You're going to probably enjoy the matches, but if you miss it, what did you really miss? And that's not a good feeling. No, no, it's not. And I, I like the idea of a, of, of a roster split. I think it's an experiment worth embarking on if Tony Khan is serious about rehabilitating collision. Um, you, you then, in your top stars need to, from each roster, need to be on every Dynamite and every collision. Like whoever you're... If the Unbucks are on Dynamite, they need to be on, you know, five out of six Dynamites in person. Um, and and you just you need to know what you're buying a ticket for. Exactly. Pr- precisely. And then you have a reason to watch both shows. And then you you can have a floating, you know, you should have floating champions, um, you know, whoever the champ. And, and just be real explicit about it. You know, that when you're the champion, you represent both shows. And there's challengers um, that are fighting to, to, to the cha- for the championship committee to, to choose you. Um, over the top contender on the other show to be the one who gets the next title shot. And I think AW would benefit from more structure to uh, both in a big macro booking sense and a, and a micro sense when it comes to their matches um, and, and rules and, and all of that so that you can, um, anything that strays from that feels special. And instead of this, well, the referees decided to, to let them fight and, and loosen the rules. And it's like... That, that shouldn't just be a thing referees get to decide because the fans deserve to see a fight. Like, it's just so non-sports-like in how they do it. Um, but for Collision to be relevant, yeah, it needs to have its own roster, its own identity, and, and I don't know. Tony Khan tweeted that he's going to have, like, a new look for the show. I'm curious how, how big of a deal that is. Was um, that Collision or Dynamite, though? I, I think it was just... It, it was either just Dynamite or just in general. Yeah, I think it was Dynamite coming up the week... After, is it after? Yeah, the, I think the, it's next Wednesday. Okay, a cool. Week from tomorrow. Looking yeah. forward to that. Yeah. So can you know? But is that is is it an adjustment because crowds are smaller? So he's going to pretend he's innovating, but in reality, he's just shrinking something down. Like I, I just don't know. I, I'm curious. It and, could be, and if that's the case, and they're going to start running some smaller venues, and and they you know fill some of these smaller venues, good. You know, running these big venues doesn't make any sense to me anymore. Um, if you have the occasional show like uh, Revolution that it's uh, the audience is there for great, but I I, I really don't get the idea of uh, just what a bad experience you go to a show and there's two thousand people there they're all crammed on one side so you look at the ring and the empty seats across that, that that's not a good in person experience at all. No, and and then you have the challenge the if if AW is better about doing what WWE is doing a lot of now, which is show the exterior of the major arena where an NHL or NBA team plays, and you show the buzz in the city and all, if they did that, they would get some, they'd get a benefit from running these big cities in these big arenas because it looks modern and major league at least on the outside, and then you do what you can on the inside and hope most people don't notice. But if you're not going to bother to do that, which AW is 
terrible about. Um, then you might as well run a smaller venue and have it be packed. You know, you'd rather turn people away at the door and have the perception of running a small venue where there's more demand than be in a big venue and have, you know, 40% or 70% of the seats empty. Um, but you have to decide what you're going to be. You know, what what are you going to be? And if you're going to try to present yourself as competing with WWE, you need to run, you know, the big uh, TD Garden in, in Boston and and run these big shows. And But they can't get away with doing it every week. I mean, it's just they, they don't have the fan support to do it twice a week and have that major league look. So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious how that goes. Let, let's shift to um, Revolution. So you mentioned Sting. He's got his retirement match, Sting and Darby Allen against the Young Bucks. Uh, what have you thought, now that we're a few weeks further along here, uh, of the Young Bucks characters and the job that they are doing as the opponents for Sting's retirement match? Um, the characters have been better. I, I like the violent beatdown. Um, otherwise, yeah, I mean, the idea of... There, there's been, I mean, giving Shivani, I think it was in... Uh, Apple gift card or whatever it was was pretty comical, uh, but that's there's always a little bit of tongue in cheekness there to it that I wish didn't exist. Uh, if it was just like that was one of the things, but then the rest of the time they were serious, great. Uh, but I I think I, I've enjoyed watching them more than I did when it was just to tune in to see their matches and Matt might get one line in a promo and Nick would stand there. Uh, I do appreciate the effort, even if. The characters, the way they've done them, do feel, again, just very tongue-in-cheek and silly, and we're going to fine you, and it's not well-defined. Like, do these fines actually count? Mm-hmm. Does Tony Khan allow them to do this? Like, what's happening? And, and I wish that was better. They, yeah, they did, They have not explained what their power is relative to Tony Khan, and, and the whole EVP thing just feels like everybody knows, or it's tongue-in-cheek, or it's just a thing we say, and it's just not. Def- it's still not defined. And I think it's going to get worse as we move forward with them just assuming everybody knows. Like, you know, there's never anybody that signs on new. And I know they can Google it. But uh, the whole, you know, EVP trigger. Okay, well, I mean, not that BTE trigger made sense to the masses either really for a long time. But uh, it is like uh, the less is explained by the announcers. And naturally, they're going to explain it less going forward. I I do think it's... it run the risk of making it a little confusing for people just tuning in like why are they who are they and why are they evps and and yeah it, it's a little awkward oh no no yeah for sure um so obviously sting and darby win and then re- sting retires as champion uh the only other the alternative i've come that i can come up with for that is that flair really does actually help the Bucks win somehow. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think this is happening. I think Flair's basically a double agent. But if he helps them, they get to walk off. People are mad as hell. And then Sting gets a little, you know, two-minute impromptu match with Ric Flair that I don't want to see. Okay. Uh, but I could, you know, Stinger splashes, Scorpion death drop, uh, Scorpion leg lock. He hits the, uh, the staples and yep. gets the last laugh on his longtime rival, who, of course, would ultimately get the real last laugh on him because he would have successfully turned on him for the 140th time. <laughs> I, I, I'm not ruling that out. Um, not not at all. The idea of Sting then becoming the on-air authority figure that you kind of put out there, floated out there, if, if the Bucks do cost Sting and Darby the tag titles... No matter whether anything happens with, you know, regardless of the Flair situation, that would justify Tony Khan going, that was, you know, an injustice and I'm going to fix it. Sting, you are now 
um, the authority figure, what you know, general manager, whatever of AEW, and uh, you have power over the Young Bucks. Yeah, yeah, they could do that. Yeah, because Tony I can mean, go. I, I don't they might know be going to happen. Well, maybe. I mean, Tony just kind of made it seem like his last appearance as a wrestler, and he might be around once in a while. And if if it were just that, you know, okay, he's an uh, an authority figure who's not there every week because he doesn't need to be every week. That's fine, but I, I, I don't know that they'll do it. Jack Tunney. Yeah. He wasn't yeah. there every week, but when a big thing needed to be said, he he sent in an announcement. And it's you know means something because it's Sting. Like, oh, Sting's right. going to be here to make the announcement. That, to me, is more effective than Tony Khan has another big announcement because of the way they've run that into the ground. Yeah, yeah. Um, is is the Young Bucks are the are the Young Bucks right now in the persona they have sustainable beyond Sting and Darby? Like, do you think a year and a half from now they're going to have this gimmick and it, it's going to work? And does it seem genuine? Like, there's part of me that's a little worried. They're just doing this so like out of spite for people who said you need to be something other than having you know five matches, five really good take matches a year. Like, that's not enough when you're when you're top paid talent you know, co-founders basically of this company, you need to figure out how to contribute more than, you know, than the excuse of we're not good at it, so we're not going to do promos. Um, you can be so bad at promos, you should do promos, but they're not that bad and they can get better. Yeah, I, I don't think this is happening a year and a half from now. Um, I, I my, my biggest fear is that they've turned three more times in a year, <laughs> yeah. a year and a half from now. Uh, but... I think they can be heels consistently, but this whole EVP thing, the cutesiness of it, uh, yeah, I, I think it's fine for a short run. And I, I would, I like the idea of you know, Sting just being given more power than them, and it gives them an excuse to kind of fade that out and just be traditional heels. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else on that match? Um, no, I mean, I, I do expect Sting and Derby to win in part because of Tony Khan's love of tournaments and they can have a tag team title tournament. And then before you know it, we'll have the Owen Hart Cup tournament, uh, tournament, tournament, tournaments. Yes. Okay. So elsewhere on the show, the other, uh, main event, I guess, is the, uh, world title match. Samoa Joe defending against Hangman Adam Page and Swerve Strickland. I, I, I think this is a good follow-up to the MJF era. Um, and I'm, I'm generally anti-triple threat, but it, this does feel like you've got Joe as sort of this badass veteran world champion who's just been, I think, really good in, in what he's done lately. And then you have two wrestlers kind of in the process of turning, you know, like as evidenced by the six-man tag last week. It's like they're the heels with the faces and the faces with the, he the, the actual fan favorites with heels and the actual one the fans are turning against is with the baby faces and they kind of built in the storyline built that into even the, the pre-match hype with Hangman especially um, in, in what he said to Hook and RVD so what do you think of this match in the booking of it in, in, in the build part one and then part two do you have a sense of what they're going to do and, and do you have an opinion on what they should do as far as what happens with the world title and those three wrestlers afterwards so assuming it's all gonna, it's gonna stay a triple threat. Um, I mean, why do you say that? Is there a chance they? Well, I mean, they're playing up the idea that Paige was injured, and it was reported that there's a family issue or a personal issue, I should say. I guess it, it, the family wasn't it was never mentioned, but a personal issue that could keep him away from the pay per view, and that's why they did this injury thing. I, I mean, I. They already tried to work the ankle injury, yep. and so are they still trying to work that part of it? I just don't know. Right, I mean, yep. 
So if it stays, then I, you know, I, I don't think they're going to go with the exact finish that I've joked about, um, but I, I could see a variation of it that Page taps out to prevent Swerve Strickland from winning. Like Swerve's on the verge of winning, but Page hates him so much. Doesn't do a lot for Joe <laughs> as champion, but it does keep Swerve in chase mode if they want to keep the title on Joe and then have Swerve meet him, uh, presumably at uh, then double or nothing, if there's not a pay-per-view in between. I, I could see something like that. I don't think we're going to see a new champion crowned. If we were going to, if you know, if it was straight-up singles match, then I would think maybe. But I think it's a three-way for a reason. I just don't know what exactly that reason is. Is all that too cute? Like, should, like, even with the triple threat, should Swerve just pin Joe and it becomes Swerve Strickland as a world champion? Um, or should Hangman win, steal a pin, whatever it is, so that Swerve can be in chase mood one on one? Or is, are both of those things not taking into account that maybe your best option right now is Joe to remain champion so that he can be the one to lose, lose to Okada or Will Ospreay um, this summer? I think Joe retains here. And it is Swerve going after him, and then you have a decision to make. Mm-hmm. Swerve does feel like he's cooled off a little bit, not you know tremendously or anything. I, I like I'm very high on Swerve, but and some of it may just be this situation is a, a, a you know having a, th- a triple threat has kind of made things murky. The entire focus isn't on Swerve and his chase. It, you have the page stuff in there, uh, and it's been kind of awkwardly executed too, where these two hate each other to the point that. One broke into the other's house, the other drank the other guy's blood, and yet now they can stand in the ring and have, you know, exchange <laughs> comment or you know, exchange promos back and forth. I don't like that. It should be security has to be out there because these two hate each other at, at that level, that they have to be kept apart. I think they botched that a little bit. Uh, but I yeah, I think Joe keeps the title here. Again, I, I do think Paige costs swerve. And then you keep the issue with Swerve and Page alive, but also you, you prolong Joe's title reign. And again, you, you know, you can kind of then, even if the plan right now is for Swerve to beat Joe next time they meet, uh, you you know, you could always revisit that if you if you feel like Joe's doing too good of a job or Swerve has cooled off, whatever the case. Uh, but I, I like what they're doing, and and I do feel like with this being the Sting retirement show you can have a bit of a quirky finish in the world title match. You know, if you want to close the show with mm-hmm. Sting's retirement match, you know, this is one where you can get away with it. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, move. Oh, it's Samojo win or lose. Should I think just, Joe wins. Yes. Yes. But no, no, I'm sorry, but win or lose for Joe, he should stay in the mix in AEW and not just go back to ROH. Oh God. Yes. Yes, yeah. exactly. He's been yeah. Terrific. Yeah. He has been terrific. Yes. Um, Swerve Strickland, you think he's cooled off a bit, uh, but six months from now, do you want him to be one of your like your top baby face, a top three baby face, or is you still is does he need to show more uh, before he before you move him from four, five, six to one, two, or three? I want him in my top three. You know, and, and now I don't work with him behind the scenes to know whether or not there's right. a reason there that would make me think otherwise or would really encourage me to have him in my top three. But just what I see on television, really, you know, before this uh, three-way build started, he just seemed to be like the hottest guy in the company. And I I don't think he's had a tremendous drop-off from that. It just cooled just a little bit. 
at least this current version seems more that he's isn't more interested in music than being a cha- championship wrestler. Like there's been right. too many times where it seemed like wrestling was just getting in the way of his studio time, and that was like his character. I want to be in the studio. Um, okay, so uh, elsewhere on the show, it's, it's a bit of an ensemble. Um, after that, in terms of you've got your two clear cut main events, but then. You've got, and part of this because they have so many titles, but you've got Orange Cassidy and Roderick Strong. You've got Eddie Kingston and Brian Danielson for Continental Crown. You've got um, uh, Christian Cage uh, versus Danny Garcia for the TNT title. Um, the tag team title, uh, or um, uh, just, and then you've got the tag match with FTR and um, Moxley and Claudio from Blackpool. You've got a, a match I'm in, looking forward to, which is Will Ospreay and Takeshita. Um, yeah. For a variety of reasons, storyline-wise. You've got Meet Madness, which apparently is Warlow, Powerhouse Hobbs, and Lance Archer. Just three. You know, Jim Ross needs to call that match if he's if he's healthy. He'll like that one. Um, am I leaving any? Oh, and then the, the, the women's, Tony, Tony Storm and Deanna Parrazzo. Um Also, it, it feels very ensemble. Like, I, I think if you said, okay, everyone agrees the two main events are Sting's retirement match, the men's singles world title match. I don't know that there'd be a consensus on three, four, and five at all. I think it would be really spread out. Um, what, what do you, what, what do you think would get the most votes for the third most important featured match on this event, given the, uh, the lineup of nine matches? Ooh, maybe Danielson and Kingston. And, and it, unfortunately it's not because of the championship. It, it just is blended in with the others. Now it, it feels like a secondary title. And originally I, I thought, boy, you could make that the world title of the collision brand. If you were going to split the rosters and maybe you still could, but it doesn't, I mean, they haven't made it feel any more special than the international or the TNT title. It is just, you know, it exists. But I think those two, the story has been pretty good. I'm intrigued to see, you know, okay, if he, if Kingston does retain, does Danielson shake his hand? How does that go? I think that's it. Did you include FTR against? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's not that that would be top three, but I am looking forward to that match quite a bit. I mean, really on paper, hell of a show. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this pay per view. I, I think that uh, for all of their weekly follies with television, when they don't overbook things like they did with the last pay per view, and that's rare. That's not that hasn't been an issue with it with this company on a consistent basis. They deliver, and I think this is going to be one of those pay per views that really delivers. I just wish we could stop here <laughs> with the match lineup we have. That's a fine four hour pay per view, but you know there's more to come, including like three or four matches on the pre show that don't need to be there. Yeah. Well, let's let's uh, focus on a, a few of these matches. One, uh, Christian Cage defending the TNT title against Danny Garcia. I I like what they're doing with Danny Garcia. It's been a, a rough stretch since he was this up and coming babyface who then inexplicably went back to Jericho, um, and then he did got into this weird dance because all that matters is if you go viral and you create a buzz on, on social media as opposed to what seems dignified and, and has an upside to it and doesn't define you down as basically a Fandango, like one-note gimmick that'll run its course. He seemed maybe self-aware of that. He sort of was just doing a little bit of the little hip swivel thing, but then kind of having a serious look and getting to business. I just think there's something about him as... And I don't think he's going to be like your top four babyface, but I think he can be like this number six guy like who's just the fans like you can count him for a good match he's sort of a gatekeeper to 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 test whether heel's going to surpass him or knock him down um and he just seems like somebody you generally want to cheer for 
And Christian Cage is the perfect heel to accentuate all of those traits in Garcia, who, if you use Garcia the way that I think he's he's more, most naturally slotted for. Um, and then Christian has been terrific as a heel. Um, I still am ama- amazed at how many connections he can have to his opponent's fathers and mothers <laughs> um, and how that comes up a lot. Um, so uh, just what's, what's your take on, on Garcia? I had a lot to say about him and, and, and how Christian is doing and, and this match. And if, you know, what, what you think the finish will be and ought to be. I think cage retains. I think it, the build feels really rushed. I think most of us going into Copeland and Garcia, were assuming that, okay, they're still going to go with Copeland and, and cage at one more time. And when it wasn't even like, Copeland lost you know it's just okay he took a concerto so he's out and so it's basically Garcia gets a title shot by default and so I don't like that part of it I still fear we're gonna get Matt Menard turning on Garcia and I don't need to see them have a long feud against one another at all maybe they have something else in mind uh but I like Garcia he's definitely an up-and-comer um I, I think that and he's been, he felt like that for some time now. I like that he's away from Jericho's crew, but he needs to completely get away from Jericho's crew. I don't know why Menard has to be his personal commentator. Uh, I just, I'm not all, I'm not into that. And I think he's going to be better off on his own. But it's AEW. He probably won't stay on his own for long. They'll put him in some quirky faction. But uh, yeah, the, there's definite upside potential there, even if this match does feel rushed. Uh, then, uh, you mentioned Kingston and, and Danielson, Continental Crown Championship. What do you think of what they've done follow-up-wise to make this title feel distinct from the international and TNT title as the fourth men's singles title in rotation um, on AWTV and, and pay-per-views? And do you think the, the story that they've told with uh, Kingston and Danielson and, and the handshake aspect of it ha- has been uh, well told? I think the the handshake aspect of it has been well told. It's the title. It, it, it it's over because of well, it's as over as Eddie Kingston can make it. It's just another title. I don't care if there's three of them. It I, I wanted this title to mean something, and yeah, like I said, I don't feel like it stands out in any way. You know, the international title does because Orange Cassidy defends it so frequently, and they've done a good job with that. I think Christian Cage brings validity to the TNT title. I think it was there based on some of the prior champions, too. And I really like Eddie Kingston. I just don't know that we needed this championship if it wasn't going to be presented as something truly special. Like, again. Or distinct. Okay, we're, yeah, go ahead. Distinct. Like, it's yes. not about making them feel like a big deal. You, you can't make all, all of them feel like an equally big deal. You need to make it feel like honing in on it has to be distinct. Like, what is it that justifies this title existing? And why would someone go after this title versus the international or, or TNT? And I don't think Tony has an answer to that. I don't even know if it's possible to do that. I mean, ROH has a pure title, for instance. X Division was sort of about weight limits, but it's really about no limits. But at least they paid lip service to something to make it distinct. That just isn't happening here. That's the problem. It's just the lineage of merging these titles and some historical, you know, connection to other triple crown type situations. So that's my problem. It's just you you create a tournament to create a title and it, it's just it's not distinct. There's not a reason for it to exist where you understand why a wrestler would go after it or why it means something different than these other belts. 
Correct. Absolutely. You nailed it. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Sin. Okay, I'm going to ask about Daniel Sin and Moxley and Claudio and Blackpool, and then we'll talk about FTR, the, the FTR match too, and parlay in it or, or go into that. But what 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 are their characters? Is it you can cheer them if you want? They're just rugged and no nonsense guys, or are, is it clear they're trying to be heels, trying to get booed, but they also know in a matter of sense no one's going to boo them? In which case, how does that make any sense? Like, what do you think about the portrayal? And again, I talk about Danielson being kind of you know, selfish on his dream tour, right? If, if it's not, I don't know. I mean, I think it fits the term selfish, but like not, whatever he's doing, he isn't doing in a way where he's stepping back and going, what's what's best for this company? Um, and, and that's more on Tony Khan than a wrestler. I mean, Danielson signed under certain conditions and he chose AEW over WWE and other options, just being a free agent in the indie scene with certain parameters, which was, I want to do my thing. And so in a sense, maybe Tony Khan's honoring that, but it doesn't mean... I have to endorse it as what's best for AEW. But this whole Blackpool Comic Club are heels, and they're going to do heel things, but fans are going to constantly cheer them, which undercuts every babyface opponent they face. I just don't like it. No, and I haven't for some time. I've been really down on the whole Blackpool Combat Club gimmick for a while. And Yuta's the only one as a consistent heel, and he's not there. And he's another one who just disappears with no explanation that I remember hearing. I know I can Google it. Um, then... It really with these guys it, it, it's not even it changes by the week it changes by the show it just depends who they're facing from match to match whether you're supposed to like them or dislike them I don't like it I, I think they would be better off just picking a direction and st- I mean well personally I think they'd all be better off just going solo I don't think this faction needs to exist but yeah I, I don't like that it's Okay, which which is it today? Are we supposed to like Danielson? Oh no, no, he's working. Nope, not this week. And Moxley, he lost me, especially when he started talking about how they don't care about titles; they just care about fighting. Like, okay, you're the brawling brutes. Yeah, piss off, get off my TV. I, I missed Moxley having a purpose beyond just being this wannabe MMA ghoul. And being involved in all these bloody fights. And and he's toned down the blood, to his credit. But it's not the Moxley that I thought was the personification of cool at one time. Yeah, He's lost his way. And it's not that he's straight so far he can never get back. But the longer this goes on, where what are they this week, I think it makes it tougher. I mean, there's there's still an audience that enjoys it. But I, I do think he's one of those people where if you have somebody flipping the channel and they see hey, that, that's Dean Ambrose, and they stick around, they, they they might watch that and then tune in the next episode of something to see him again, and he's, he's oh, now I'm supposed to not like him? I just liked him that last. It's just <laughs> exactly. a mess. I know. And and that's where the, the mentality is. Everything is about, do I, you know, Tony Khan's mentality is, do I get a bunch of praise for putting on a great pay-per-view? And if all the TV leading in between pay-per-views leads to great pay-per-views and people praise it as a show of the year and then I win a Booker of the Year award and Twitter tells me I'm doing great, then then everything is great. And those are not the metrics that he needs to be paying attention to. And, you know, good wrestling should be a byproduct of hiring good wrestlers. But it is not the end goal. The end goal is to tell stories and make your title matches matter and have other, you know, grudges, grudges settled and, and setting fans up to have an experience where they're they're reacting to to matches that were i mean we're we're in an era where we we're just you know we're going to be 
it's it's a it's a fight that we can't win in terms of that this is awesome chance and fight forever and all that nonsense um and table we want tables and all that fans just think it's you know they're there to to you know shout bravo at the performance and we're in an error we're not going to get past that but wrestlers need to know that is not that is not the 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 trophy they should be aiming for um there's other things that matter much much more which is fans caring about the finish rooting for you or against you vociferously and being emotionally invested in the match and not just debating what the star rating is going to be and i just don't know that the leader from leadership on down that that's the, the attitude in aw and i think that's part of what's what's limiting them and what leads to uh, among other factors what leads to the the just lack of clarity of how uh, a viewer is supposed to feel about john moxley not the viewer who's going to watch no matter what and defend aw to the death on social media but the ones who are not watching who were a year ago or who are willing to watch and they check in every few weeks and then don't turn into weekly viewers and but you know that's what aw is yeah and tony's a matchmaker he's more of a matchmaker than he is a booker we've talked about it before yeah I mean, there's some talent in picking out the good matches on paper, but it, yeah, it's. I think it's a lot tougher to be a good traditional booker and and tell the stories that lead up to the matches, and that's where he struggles. I mean, who can't look and go, "Oh, Will Osprey and Takeshita, that would be a hell of a match." Right, I mean, right. Any anyone can, uh, and and my God, I look forward to that match. But it's been a little difficult because. Osprey obviously hasn't been there, but my gosh, what I think this this would be even better if they had a story told that, that was really going into it beyond Don Callis is booking this match, presumably to get rid of Osprey from his group. Um, and, but uh, yeah, it's just there's so uh, like the whole idea that okay, they do uh, they put together really good pay per views by and large, and they sell uh, pretty well uh, and, and very impressively. What would they be doing if the television really clicked week to week and they did tell these stories? It I, That's one thing about yep. the, the, the base audience that I, I don't connect with when it comes to AEW is that I, I think they've convinced themselves that it's just about the match quality and the, the, the storytelling doesn't matter. And that's just not the way it should be. I, I mean, it, that's just not... You're never going to be. You're you're only going to go so far if if when if you're a wrestling company with that mentality that it's all about the matches and storytelling is secondary. And I I just really want this company to thrive like any wrestling company. But I think they get in their own way, and I, I it's encouraging. Like I say, that Tony hired Jennifer Pepperman, but we don't even know what role she's truly playing. I mean, she has a new fancy title. But there have been other people that have come in with creative backgrounds that haven't done much of anything. Uh, it doesn't sound like. you know They get, might be able to contribute in Tony's office on the day of the show. Yeah. But it, uh, I don't know where they're at as far as like having true meetings. Uh, QT Marshall is back yeah. in some capacity. And what did I hear? He got a raise. Um, good for him. Uh, I, but hey, it, you, you just, if you go away and you're, and you're missed, I mean, then you have leverage. Yeah. You know, I mean, if, I don't know how much up. leverage you have when you were doing turnbuckle championship wrestling, and nothing against him for trying to get that off the ground. Yeah. But but from a but, from from a standpoint of oh god, th- 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 he's gone, and now we're reeling, and we're the the replacement is incompetent or not reliable, or you know, like sure, yeah. I, if he fe- this is it, if he felt underappreciated and that he was doing a lot of kind of the 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 un- uh, unglamorous work. And when it was gone, people were like, oh, God, yeah. We're, I mean, it's if Tony just Khan went to him and just said, and I don't know, 
the, the details. But if he went to him and said, yeah, I, I apologize. I, under, I didn't appreciate you as much. And I'm going to give you a raise. I want you to come back and we need you. That's, that's a really good decision by Tony, management-wise, if that's how that played out. Yes, at the right price. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was I going to say about, oh yeah, so I want to, I want to be clear because we have, you know, listeners who are wrestling fans, obviously, <laughs> it would be weird if we didn't, we do. um, and they might listen to this analysis and go, well, I'm going to enjoy, Jason said he's going to really like this show. Wade, you sound like you're really going to enjoy this show. And that there's this, these two clear main events in this ensemble of, of really good matches and to Keston, Will Ospreay, I'm looking forward to that. Like, no question about it. Like, I, I feel like it's it's good to just pause every once in a while and say, AEW does something essential really well that many wrestling companies in all our decades watching wrestling, Jason, have not done well, which is recognize in-ring talent, hire high-grade in-ring talent, match them against other high-grade wrestlers, and giving them the time and space to have great or very good matches consistently. And... That is great that they do it. And if they didn't, we would be critical of them for it. So I want to pause and give credit to them, and Tony Khan in particular, for doing that. Our critique is we want more people to experience that. And you can have all of that and more if you do these other things that are missing from Tony Khan's formula. And that's where we're coming from, is if you're an AW fan... And all you in, in you just want a good pay per view every couple months, every three. You've got that, and you're happy. Our job, you know, our approach to to covering this business is: what are they doing that's limiting their growth? What are they doing that might threaten what's good about them right now? If they don't grow, and WWE keeps growing, WWE's going to be able to pluck away their top talent, and you're going to be left with some skeleton crew that isn't what this is. So it's also about protecting what you have that's good looking ahead and to do that we and so for that to happen that's why we focus on it this is if dynamite ratings were going up 15 percent per year or even holding steady despite uh cord cutting and buy rates were going up and attendance was just rock solid maybe going up you know a little bit year over year our our discussions would be completely different Right. You know, I mean, it, but you look at the numbers, you look at the crowds, you look at the buy rates, you look at TV ratings, you look at WWE growing when AEW is, is not. And you go, okay, so there's a good thing here. That's the base, solid, core, essential, uh, and, and massively appreciated strength of AEW, which is we can look at a lineup like this and go, there's going to be a lot of good wrestling on this show. And there's, char- there's wrestlers who I care about and outcomes that I'm invested in. That's good. The key is, is all the other things that aren't, that that they could be doing that they aren't or that they're doing that are counterproductive to bringing the, the, their strengths to a larger audience and thus being able to pay these wrestlers even more when it's contract renewal time instead of them having less leverage um, to, to increase their income next time there's a contract or to do. maintain their or find a better television deal even. I mean, we're, yes. we're into March now and we yep. still don't know what the future holds for them and Warner Brothers Discovery. I'm, I'm sure Tony has a much better idea than we do. But it is, I mean, normally these things are done a year out. Uh, the Raw deal took longer with Netflix, obviously. Yep. But I'm a little surprised that uh, we haven't heard something by now. And hopefully it's just a matter of time. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and that can buy them more time. And they can benefit from being, you know, in, in the right TV environment. But, I, and I, I want to say this, in addition to 
taking a moment to praise the fact that this looks like just a really, really good lineup of in-ring wrestling. Now, I mean, I don't think it's like AW's top shelf, but that's really tough to achieve. You know, you don't, you don't have a a healthy Kenny Omega and Pox not on the show. And, um, but you know, I mean, there's enough, um, that's really strong here, but I do want to say that part of my criticism comes from communicating with, from people in AEW and people who are, have been in the wrestling business and watched the product and followed, but mostly from people in it. My criticism of AEW reflects criticism and is influenced by criticism of people in that company, in-ring performers and otherwise, that I communicate with. And so it's not like everybody thinks Tony's doing a great job who are out there contributing to the product in good ways. There is frustration internally. And it's not just locker room bickering and jealousy. It's like people who want the product to be better and they want Tony to listen to them or listen to certain people that he's not. And and so to be an AEW, if you think you're being a, 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 a if you think you're helping AEW by being a blind defender of everything they do, understand that the people you look up to are, think you're hurting the cause <laughs> you you are helping the cause by holding tony khan to a higher standard um by not being a voice that just praises everything that they do and and pushes back um forcefully against any criticism that's not helping them grow and it's not helping no. helping them learn and i think tony you know has has a bubble of people who, who who are reinforcing that he's doing everything right and and can't do anything wrong and that's the, those those are the people in the company not helping but there's plenty who who have really good ideas and are really frustrated and it's not their job to fix it they just you know know there would be a better approach to take yeah and i know there are fans out there that for them it's all about the matches you know, that they, they that's what they care about but i just i think they also have to be honest with themselves and say there's a limit on how many of those types of fans are out there that are like them and this company needs more than those types of fans and if you're somebody that loves the matches okay you know is it really that big of a negative that you have to put up with some storytelling along the way to get to those matches <laughs> exactly I, I, yeah i don't i've hey, never there, really it, understood the mindset that they, you know, they, it's too wwe like like no it's uh, basic pro wrestling yeah, exactly. And and there's I don't think there's anything that you and I have ever said that we think would help AEW become better that would in any way offset, interfere, or detract from the things that people love about AEW. Like, we're I not asking so. them to be yeah. less AEW-like and more WWE-like where you take something away that people like about AEW. We're asking to take what AEW does well and, 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 and surround it with things that will help them grow so more people can see what their strengths are. Um, so, shifting back to the pay-per-view lineup, uh, just hinting quickly some of the other matches here. Uh, Orange Cassidy, Roderick Strong. Uh, we've got um, the whole payoff to the MJF thing with Adam Cole leading a new faction. Roderick Strong, Taven, and Bennett. I mean, this just, to me, it just feels like mid-card. Big letdown from, you know, where it was. And not not that there was a ton of hope for Taven, Bennett, and Strong um, to, to be a, a major faction and then you know Wardlow and Adam Cole in the mix and in their roles and Adam Cole being injured but I mean Roderick Strong is not a top top guy and he's the he's the he's going after Orange Cassidy's title on a pay-per-view um I mean he's fine but anything anytime Strong is going to be in a match you know it'll be a good match but it also is borderline prelim match 
Yeah, yeah, and I fear they're going to move the title there to try to breathe some life into this uh, well, awful faction, the Undisputed Kingdom. Yeah. And, you know, one thing it reminds me, Wed, do you ever hear from people going, when's MJF coming back? I, I don't. No. It's kind of scary just how he went from being the face of that company and uh, so highly regarded to now but, he's gone and, and people just aren't clamoring for his return yet. It was It was just... He had lost his way and had become kind of more of a distraction, sort of sucked the oxygen out of the room. It just it felt like he was just trying to force his way into being the topic of conversation. And and there's just times you just chill out and just use your skill set and contribute, but don't become the centerpiece of discussion that week. I Actually, it's funny you bring up, you know, people are, are not missing MJF. I was thinking of running a poll just asking, you know, do you miss MJF? Like you're just finding I out what think you say. would probably get a lot of people saying yes. Yeah. To me, it's, it's the bigger issues that I I just like when he comes back. I think people are going to be excited and happy to see him. He's but a yeah, great talent. He just was absolutely his, his character and his booking. Due to some circumstances that were his fault, Tony Khan's fault. Others were just oh my god, we have to adjust because of this or that. CM Punk or Adam Cole get hurt, whatever. Like. I don't think any top guy in recent years has had more twists and turns that were out of his control that then led to bad decisions that were in his and Tony Khan's control that just kind of destroyed momentum and, and made everything a mess and made taking time off almost essential so that when he, as you're saying, when he comes back, he'll be a big deal again. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, so, um, so you think Roderick Strong might? win the international title. I fear that he does, yeah. It's nothing I want to see. I just this I think there's talented people in this faction, but it's just in a bad place and you know and, and it's Cole's injured, MGF's injured, it was all built around them and has a terrible name. <laughs> the faction does. And uh so yeah, I do fear that they're gonna try to do that. I is Wardlow still with the faction after last week? I don't even know. Oh, I know. <laughs> well, 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 let's go to that match because we got Wardlow, Powerhouse Hobbs, and Lance Archer. What, Lance what'd you, Archer loses. Yeah, oh, I know. What do you think of uh, – that's another example. Somebody just kind of comes in and disappears and comes in and disappears. It's like just use up his dates in three months and really get something out of him and then send him away for six months. But don't have him show up every four to four to eight weeks, um, whatever the circumstances are. So what do you think of Wardlow's performance last week? I thought he showed good fire. Um, the the promo, like the 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 dialogue, was off in places, but I, I did think like it was an intensity that we haven't seen from his character in a while, mm-hmm. and it was good to see him actually get a crack on the mic rather than just kind of stand there and nodding along while Adam Cole talks. Yeah, I still am hoping that he can find something that isn't a facial expression and a verbal grunting promo that's equivalent of doing a, a, like the expression he has when he's just doing a deadlift. Like I don't want weight room Wardlow as my character. I want human being more nuanced, less, and, and, you know, more along the lines of what Batista became where you hit those moments. And I just don't, you know, I don't know if he has it in him and I don't know if AW has, has the leadership and, and the guy and the people to guide him in that way. But there's still something there that I think can be tapped into. But he ultimately, and this goes back to what AEW's identity is, which is great matches, 
we just need to see him have like I, I won't say great matches because I think like Nia Jax serves a purpose. She's not going to give you the best match on a, on a show, but you don't but, want a roster full of everybody who you don't want a, a roster full of Roderick Strongs who can give you three and a half stars, four stars if you give them twenty minutes. But people don't care about him. People care about Nia Jax or booing her, and she's playing a role, and it's valuable, and it's part of the mix. You don't want six of her on the roster, but having one of her works. So you can have Wardlow, in other words, be something that isn't a great big man wrestler. But he's got to show that he can have a, a match or have a, build up a string of matches where people go, he can tell a story in the ring, so I'm going to invest in his character. Because the payoff is, at a pay-per-view or a big main event TV match, he can go 12, 16 minutes and tell a story with give and take and i and, and like part of a character isn't just what you look like and what you yell it's what story do you tell in the in the match that plays on fan expectations of how you'll do against a certain opponent and can you sell can you show vulnerability can you be in jeopardy under what circumstances do you show that what emotion are you going for from the crowd and i just don't sense any of that's going on with with Warlow's body of work He's just a guy who's still doing squash matches and and doing red-faced yelling on the microphone. And he's not going to become a star doing that. And so let's get him to the point where he starts showing whether he can have good matches. And I, I just don't know that 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 Meat Madness is the way to show that. Um, you know, war, throwing Warlow and Hobbs in the ring against each other is 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 not putting either of them in a position to play to their strengths against a, a contrasting opponent. What you want is a heel Wardlow against a babyface Danny Garcia or a babyface Swerve Strickland or a, whatever. You know, pick pick your baby and, and a babyface Moxley. And it's a, it just turns out to be a really good match that you take people on, a dra- uh, tell a dramatic story with them. And he just isn't showing that yet. And it's just time to figure out if you can do that or not so you know if it's justified giving him TV time and a push. It is time... Um, I, I feel like this match, well, we'll see how it plays out, but it, it looks to me like it's another bit of a crutch where yeah. all right, if we have three guys in there, one can go through a table and spend a, b- a bunch of time down at ringside and just give them breathers. I don't know what they want from us because all of these guys are heels, aren't they? I, I don't even know what Lance Archer is right now, other than I'm part-time, essentially. Yep. But... Hobbs is with Callus. Yep. Wardlow's with the Undisputed Kingdom. Yep. Who am I supposed to like? Who am I supposed to cheer? And I, you you're know, not. You're supposed to be amazed part. at what these big men can do physically. Yeah, I, yep. I guess so. Yep. And I'm sorry. That's that's matchmaking. It's not booking. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess Wardlow should win. Hobbs should win. Lance Archer shouldn't. So someone will pin Lance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, timeless Tony Storm, Deanna Prazo, uh, AW Women's World Championship. What do you think of Tony Storm as champion? Her character is? Do you see it it uh, maturing, growing as as she goes, or is it something that's running out of steam and it hasn't found its its kind of sustaining uh, framework yet? Fun character. Still, don't think that character needs the title. Uh, they can't take the title away from her soon enough uh, for me, for my taste, uh, because I just think that it's a cute novelty act and, and she plays it really well and it's fun. But I just, yeah, I, I want to see a more serious champion. But I do feel like she is doing a better job in the ring. It, initially, it kind of seemed like she was really struggling to figure out how to be that character in the ring. And it was it was having a an adverse effect on her matches. They were just kind of clunky. And now I, I think it 
looks it feels more natural to watch her having a quality match and i'm not saying go out there and steal the show but just a quality match with somebody and i think she'll have that with perrazzo um i think they're overdoing the split screen black and white and color thing um once last week was enough i I just think they're a little too proud of themselves with that from a production standpoint it's cool the first time you see it then it's like okay guys we get it uh so yeah i I don't think Perrazzo's is necessarily the right person to beat her for the title, so I don't think it's going to happen here unless the idea is just to do a really quick turnaround and Mercedes beats her, but I don't I don't think that's what they're going to do, so I would assume that Tony somehow retains, and yeah. then Perrazzo probably moves to collision and chases Julia hard around for a while. Yeah. Yep. Okay, and then uh, Will Ospreay-Takeshita um, should be hell of a match, a banger, one might say. Um should be gonna, the show stealer. I'll be surprised if it's not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a this is a, sh- a pay per view with a lot of, of like matches that have potential to be good to really good, uh, but not a lot where it has a potential to be great. Like, I mean, Moxie and Claudio and FTR. I mean, it's just that's what they do. You know, they have great yeah, matches, and, yeah. uh, and we've already seen what they can do, and they'll do more of it. Um, Orange Cassidy and Roderick Strong. They're two good wrestlers. They're probably going to give you three and three quarters, three and a half, whatever. It'll be good. Um, Sting and Darby in the Bucks. Darby when he's in the ring against the Bucks would be great, and you know super athletic and sting will have his big spots um and hopefully he survives and is healthy afterwards and joe and hangman is worth they're gonna have a, a good match but not not a match of the year it's going to actually be more about story than than wrestling or you know as much about the story they want to tell the characters as the wrestling danielson kingston you know what you're going to get it's probably going to be four stars give or take a quarter star on on my scale which tops out at five um and uh in christian cage and Dick garcia should be fun but you know christian's not he's not will osprey um and then we already talked about the, the match with Warlow Hobbs and Archer. It's just going to be, you know, a, a big man match with a bunch of, you know, big guys doing dives and power moves. Um, can you believe it? So this is the match that, in the more classical sense, can be the, you know, Kenny Omega, Pac, you know, standout match. Whatever, you know, the, the Danielson against a dream opponent who's in his prime type match. These two are in their prime. Um and and then you have the storyline of Don Callis and in what this means that he booked his guys against each other because you know the the supposition being nobody wants to fight us because we're too good so we're going to just fight each other. Um, we know it's going to be a really good match. Is this just a featured match to put over Osprey, or is that a mistake? And you actually also should have an eye on on what's going on with Takeshita, and part of that can just be the storyline with Don Callis and what story they tell here. To me, this is an intriguing match because I think Takeshita and Osprey and Don Callis are really important to the rest of AEW's year. And Takeshita is someone you can, he is being underutilized right now. And Osprey has a chance to be their centerpiece attraction, like the number one guy. He's got that yes. chance. So I'm, to me, this is a really important match and a real test of Tony's booking. And really the, you know, I, I'm sure, Osprey and, and Don Callis will, will have a say in this too. So, um, yeah, uh, talk about this, Jason. I think it is a showcase for Osprey. It'll be a hell of a match. And I want Takeshita to be more than he is. But he's been stuck in this kind of spot for a while. One more loss isn't the end of the world. My fear is that, and I think one way or another, Osprey ends up being a babyface, and he's out of the, the the Callis family. I think that seems to be the the obvious direction. But my fear is that somehow we get stuck with, oh, Chris Jericho's back, and now he's teaming with Will Osprey to go against Takeshita and Hobbs in the future, and I don't want that at all. Let Osprey be his own man. Yep. 
Uh, get him away from the heel faction, but keep him away from Chris Jericho. Yes. Um, Jason, anything else on, on Revolution you want to bring up or any match you think will be added or anything like that before we move on? Oh, yeah, I, I guess I haven't thought about what they would add. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I mean, the, the pre-show matches are typically fairly random. Um, you might get a little set up on go-home week or something. Uh, I One thing to keep in mind with this is I, I'm – anticipating there being a little bit of pushback because this is a Sunday night show. I wish they would have done what WWE is doing for WrestleMania and just started it an hour earlier. I don't know why they're set on mm-hmm. 7 Central, 8 Eastern. I mean, this is, in, you know, it's Tony Khan, so I'm guessing it'll, you know, with the the pre-show start at 6 Central, but it'll go till midnight Eastern time. And, boy, that's tough on the fans in the building. That's tough on the fans at home. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I do think there'll be a little bit of pushback on this one. Uh, that, uh, I, I don't know, in, in Tony's mind, I don't know if he's anticipating because he's just so, you know, wrestling, wrestling, and more wrestling driven. And, and why would it be more pushback than in, in the past? Usually, you know, you get the Saturday night shows. Yeah. And, you know, and yeah, they've gone late on Sundays before, but it's been a while, I believe. That's and what I was, that's I what think, I was wondering, yeah. Well, and I think the other part of this is you're going to get some um, some some added fans that are going to want to see Sting's retirement match, that maybe this will be their first AEW pay-per-view. Yeah. And, you know, if they have to wait until midnight their time to see it, they may not be able to, you know, to see the end of it, they may not be all that pleased by that. Yeah. Yeah. So tomorrow night on uh, Dynamite Sting's final Dynamite, and then Will Ospreay is all elite. They're advertising him. And then uh, Kingston and FTR against uh, Danielson, Moxley, and Claudio, not... A ton of matches announced, so I, I assume um, obviously there'll be more matches, but this will mostly be just trying to um, tie everything together and, and get people to buy the pay-per-view on Sunday. It's it's fun watching a wrestling company. Um, it's like Cody mentioned last night on Raw. You know, my dad when he booked our food on the table was dependent upon the tickets we sold. As a you know, which WWE's not in that position anymore. They can you know they have so much uh, money baked in. It doesn't mean they don't have incentive to have a good product, but it's not like show to show. You're you're judging. Um, how many people are willing to spend money on tickets or buys? With AW, Tony Khan wants buys. You know, he, he wants to sell tickets and he wants to sell pay-per-view buys, not just, you know, generic multi-year deals with partners who broadcast you. So um, it'll be, it, it's going to be fun to see what they do uh, uh, tonight and also Saturday night, and you know, but tomorrow night in particular. And, and it's all being taped on the same night, I believe, right? Um, is it? I, I didn't even look at the calendar. Yeah, I believe that Collision is being taped after Dynamite because uh, I know they did like the Rampage tapings already at Collision, and so yeah, it, it's which is kind of a shame. That's you know the night before the pay per view, yeah. a go home night. That's something that would normally excite me, but and you know, hey, it doesn't mean it's going to be a bad show, but right. Um, just I kind of like that live experience the night before, and we're not going to get that this time around. Um, but. I hate to say it. Usually, the you know the go home edition, especially a collision, would be kind of underwhelming anyway. And it'd be great if they could just run like WWE does, back to back to back nights in the same city and draw big crowds. Um, you know, just wherever your pay per view is on a Sunday night, run a show on a Saturday night. We saw that in Minneapolis when, when they came to town, and they had the rampage the night the, the rampage the night before, and then the pay per view the next night. And you know, they can't do that. They can't draw. They just they burn out the town no. and small crowds. So. And in fact, they're doing the same thing next week as well, uh, with the collision being taped 
after Dynamite. It's not until they go to Canada on the 16th yeah. of March that uh, they'll finally have a standalone edition of Collision. Yeah, and I mean, is this a, uh, trying to cut back on how many 2,000-seat crowd, you know, ben, how many live TV shows are running in 2,000-seat buildings? Is it cost-cutting? Is it um, logistics? Is it trying to get two-for-one out of your wrestlers? Uh, it, it, all those sound like negatives, but all those are also kind of positive moves if, if, if that's a decision. But if, you know, once people catch wind of Collision being, you know, pre-taped, I mean, even SmackDown took a hit. Uh, viewership-wise last Friday when it was pre-taped the week before, um, even if it had a, a decent lineup. Uh, Ooh, yeah, they're, they're doing yeah. that again in April. Now, I mean, some of it, I wonder, too, is, is it because of the, the tournaments uh, for basketball mm-hmm. where they're going to get bumped around anyway, and so it might just, you know, rather than, you can't really do a live show right, if they're not right. going to air you until, you know, 11 o'clock oh, at right, night or something sure. like that. So yeah, that might have something point. to do with some of these. Yeah. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see if this kind of becomes a new norm. I want to back up real quick to something you said because I, I forgot to mention that we were talking about Cody Rhodes. I'm happy you brought up that line. Yeah. Is it just me or is he working really hard to explain why he's not tearing into the rock? He keeps bringing that up. Yeah. What, what, do, you, what do you make of it? Well, that could play into the whole idea that Rock is a double agent, double agent and yeah. Cody just feels the need to keep pointing out that, that there's a reason for this, that I'm not going after him. Um, yep. I, I don't know. Yep. I, I but Cody does have strange logic sometimes, so that <laughs> could also just be Cody being quirky Cody. I know. No, I those thoughts cross my mind um, watching him say that because there are – there are times you're like, oh, Cody's going to business for himself. That got him in trouble in AEW, or you know, it's, it's quirky. It's you know, but it was pre-approved, and it's it's a talking point, and it's part of part of Cody's charm. Do you, do you think there's any risk of 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 Cody getting a little too comfortable and starting to um, loosen up a little bit? You know, like like teams that win when they play hard, you know, like really good defense. I'm using an NBA or NHL analogy here. Um, you know, that when they play hard defensively, they win, but with a lead. Then they lighten up and they start, you know, doing, you know, trying to be fancy with their passes and loose on defense. And then all of a sudden it's a tie game again. Um, Is there a chance Cody gets like really confident and 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 starts losing and he loses sight or or, uh, his discipline slips a little and he goes back to some of the stuff in AEW that turned people off? Because he's always walking that fine line. And I I think Cody's in a like you can't like like I say, if AEW is drawing big ratings and big crowds. I would be like, okay, uh, my critiques, you know, wouldn't wouldn't be presenting themselves because I wouldn't be searching for what's what's wrong and why aren't they growing or why are they going down. And that's like with Cody, I'm not searching for reasons things are going wrong because the evidence is things are going so right. But if, but he does always feel like he's right on the on the edge of seeming a little little too much. <laughs> um, and you know that he was he, he was defensive about having a luxury bus in AEW, and now they're showing him stepping off a luxury bus. Um, and it's my story; I got to complete my story. And we get some emails going, "Why is Cody's story so important compared to others?" The whole thing with Dusty's made up anyway. It's just it's it's not actually the it's not historically accurate, right? What that meant to the family. Dusty didn't sit around going, "Oh, if it wasn't before that." It's just so. Is there is there any risk that he could just uh, lighten let, lighten up on my my sort of defense anal- my uh, analogy of playing strong defense and in other words defending himself and editing himself and he could get himself into some trouble now the bright side is the fallback plan is he turns into a great heel but I think you want to ride out him as a babyface for a few years first I I think he'll be edited enough where if that starts to happen you know they're they're going to step in and, and course correct a little bit 
Uh, so I don't fear that as much as what happens when he finishes the story. You know, does yeah. he let off the gate? Like, is that like the that, that's the peak of the mountain for him? And uh, I mean, naturally, the the line is going to be now the hard work begins. But will I, I, I think he'll see it that way. I mean, it's not just a risk for Cody; it's anybody that kind of reaches that peak. It, you know, it's what comes next for them. How do they? stay at that level and, and I think that's a a tough one for anybody who reaches that level you have that long chase you finally win it okay now what and yeah. fans can be very fickle as we've seen over the years when it comes to when somebody they, they want to have win that championship they get it and okay then the fans kind of move into now I'm bored by this who's next I, I have gotten the sense that you know People in that company are rooting for Cody to succeed in a way that isn't always the case. He's on the higher end of that. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any, like, eye-rolling. Like, in AEW, that, that wasn't the case. It, it still isn't. You know, there's not this united front amongst all the top guys to make each other better. I think, like, right. I think you know, I think Cody has hit it off really well with the people. And, by the way, so did CM Punk before he got hurt. Um, yeah. You know, but but Cody's hit it off well with with Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns and the Usos, the people he's kind of working with, and Drew McIntyre, like and Seth Rollins. Like I just think they're all getting along, and they all. I mean, I don't know if Seth and Roman are going to be best friends. I mean, there's you know there's little issues here and there, but for the most part, I just think Cody's carried himself really well, really professionally. He 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 has brought a level of professionalism, preparedness aspiration, desire, motivation that is contagious and that people like. And and I think that's gonna gonna help him. Um because people he it sounds like he's receptive to feedback and there's not an ego getting in the way because the AW experience would humble anyone to some degree if you if you're at all an honest judge of 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 your own experiences. So I think he has enough smart people working with him that it shouldn't it shouldn't be a problem. Um, but that doesn't mean there won't be, oh, we went a little too far there. We better pull back. You know what I mean? Like there'll be little things on promos or his presentation where it's a little much. Um, maybe maybe we need to show you not in a suit. Maybe we need to do less of the luxury bus. Maybe we don't want to talk about your dad as often. You know, whatever. I, I don't even know right. what the exact things are. But he's, he's right on that edge of he comes across as a star, which is important. You can be a certain level. It was, it was on the fixed mailbag the last couple of weeks discussion about Brian Danielson versus Cody Rhodes. And Cody seems like a star, a, a man of the people, but also a star. And Daniel Bryan seems like a man of the people, but not enough of a star in how he carried himself. And, and that's part of his charm, but it also created a bit of a ceiling, um, arguably. And with Cody, he doesn't have that. Cody seems like he's a guy who just wants to be Hollywood famous crossover star and, and, and aspires for that. And I don't think Danielson ever came across that way. So... With Cody, you got to be sure that doesn't ever backfire on you, but it can then be a positive to help you grow. Oh, he's there. Whenever that day comes, he's going to have a hell of a heel run. Oh, I know. If and maybe that day never comes because things go so well. But if if they need to, um, it'll be there. I hope it does. You know, and I I mean, obviously, I want him to have a great, successful reign and all of that. But I'll, you know, I'm, there's still part of me that's a little disappointed we never got to see John Cena in that mode. I get the reasons uh, we did it. It's yep. fine. But, man, that would have been fun. I know. And we get to see it with Roman. And look at how fun it's been. Yes, absolutely. Yep. All right, Jason, I want to do uh, uh, just a few minutes of a VIP after show with a couple other topics, if, if you're cool with that. 
Absolutely. Okay, so let's sign off on the free show. We've gone super long, um, but I want to talk about uh, Drew. We've got an email on him. I want to talk about Gunther and the IC title situation. Your thoughts on that? We didn't talk about Becky and Rhea. Um, a little bit on Ole Anderson and TNA Impact. We'll do that rapid fire in our uh, after show, but those are, are the topics on deck for me. Um, if you're not a VIP member and you want to hear the VIP after show, pwtorch.com slash govip. That's pwtorch.com, our main website with news, live TV coverage, all that good stuff. Uh, some great writing. Our over-under columnist that we've added is somebody you definitely want to read. Um, it does uh, over-unders on overrated and underrated, basically, underappreciated, overappreciated on SmackDown and Raw each week. So check that out. But to go VIP, you want to add slash govip. That'll give you details on uh, VIP membership. You can also hear our VIP after shows, Jason, by becoming a .NET member because we feature our VIP after shows on both uh, member sites. So remind people again how to get that. That's right. Go to pwmembership.net. And remember, there's also a Patreon option, patreon.com slash pro wrestling, D-O-T-N-E-T. Very good. Thanks, everybody, for your support, for listening to us. Uh, spread the word. Let people know if you enjoy our show. And uh, VIP members, .net members will be back with the VIP After Show. 